Oh, flip, my cam's not working. God damn it. Oh, right, okay. Wait a second, wait a second. Turn that off. Gone. Activate. Activate. Well, this is a typical uh, <laughs> Ministry of Horror stream. Uh, hi, Jelleray. Um, I see also Lee's in the chat. God damn it. Can I close this and reopen it without the stream being affected? One second. Um, okay, apparently not. God damn OBS. Crimson Mail, hey, oh boy, tech issues. Oh my god, OBS does this thing uh, where half the time it turns on with the cam on, other times it doesn't. Um, let me try some jiggery pokery. Oh, just deactivated it, reactivating it. Oh, hello, my goodness. Apologies um, for podcast listeners. You'll probably be none the wiser just thinking, what's all, this? what's all this at the start? But apologies, the camera's on. My goodness. It's been one of those weeks, guys. Um, good evening, ghouls and fiends. That's what I normally say to start the show. Uh, welcome to the Ministry of Horror. Um, well, we've got an interesting show uh, tonight. So originally we were going to be doing the X-Files Home watch-along. Uh, but due to uh, unforeseen circumstances, scheduling conflicts, uh, wires crossed and all that, we won't be doing that tonight, um, which is a shame. But we've got some news. Uh, there's no book club as I'm trying to finish uh, the ritual. Basically, I had a uh, an accountancy exam this past Monday and uh, I prob I read enough accountancy text in the space of three days to have read the ritual cover to cover at least twice at least twice so uh, i was kind of burnt out i did try and get in some uh, some films for review but i'll be honest there doesn't seem to have been that much uh, horror recently either coming out on streaming like new horror um or available to rent or buy um so it's been a bit of a dull week for that there's been uh, a new kind of a rotoscope fantasy film on uh, on Shudder, but it doesn't really look horror. It looks interesting, but it doesn't. It definitely doesn't seem to be much uh, kind of horror. So no reviews tonight, or book reviews. Um, but we have got a very bumper section coming up. So whilst we don't have the watch-along, the main event of the show, as you may have seen from the title, we're going to be looking at the Halloween franchise. So fortunately, I had uh, one of my good friends, Dean Jovi, uh, no relation to JBJ. Um, he uh, he came to visit the weekend, and we did the very first in-studio discussion. A little interview at the start, and then uh, looking at the Halloween films. And uh, yeah, it was a really good chat. It's going to take up a, quite, a, quite a chunk of time, which uh, which I guess with no reviews to discuss is probably a good thing but we do have some news to go through so uh starting off with this week is uh april the 1st in i don't know the calendar uh friday which is april fool's day and um april fool's day is like anything like halloween valentine's day it's uh an area that is ripe for horror so we're gonna have a quick little look at some uh 
some prank-filled films that you could watch this April Fool's Day. Uh, this comes from bloodydisgusting.com, as does most of my news. Uh, five prank-filled horror films to stream for April's Fool's Day, April Fool's Day this week. Uh, Slaughter High is on Roku, or Tubi. High school outcast Marty is subjected to sexual humiliation through a vicious prank, but it doesn't stop there. After a coach interrupts a bout of bullying, Marty is given a poison joint to distract him while other students set up a prank involving an exploding science experiment. Jesus Christ. Naturally, it goes horribly awry when a fire breaks out and Marty bumps into acid, disfiguring him. He seeks revenge during a school reunion. Uh, the pranks are all fun and games until people get maimed and slaughtered. And let's face it, Slaughter High shows how unpredictably the target can react. Not seen it. Sounds good. We've also got The House on Sorority Row, which is available on IMDb TV, which is part of, uh, I think, automatically part of Prime. It's decent. It's free. Does mean you have to watch adverts. I haven't experienced what that's like in a film, but in TV series, it's, it's not too bad. But it's free. You can't really complain. Uh, it's on uh, Roku and Tubi. Uh, for the graduating group of sorority students who want to party, an uptight house mother who puts her foot down causes them to devise a prank that they hope will change her mind through fear. Instead, the house mother winds up dead. When the sisters forge ahead with party plans anyway, the body count starts mounting. For these girls, they learn the hard way that the house mother had their safety on her mind, and their irresponsible prank leads to certain doom. It was also remade in 2009, a sorority row, which... Heard of, not seen. Uh, hi, Mal. Um, and hi, Meryl, in the chat. Uh, One Dark Night is on AMC+, Plus, IMDb TV, Pluto TV, uh, Roku, Shudder, and Tubi. Uh, Julie wants to be friends with a popular trio of girls known as the Sisters. She's unaware that one of them is jealous that she's dating their ex. So she accepts their initiation task of spending the night in a mausoleum. Julie is shy and skittish, so the Sisters plan several gags and pranks to scare her so she'll flee in terror. Too bad the mausoleum happens to be the burial place of telekinetic psychic vampire Raymar, and Raymar doesn't want to stay dead. The sisters learn that ill-intentioned pranks come back around in the worst way, but poor Julie suffers greatly too. Man, that sounds that sounds pretty good. One dark night, that one. Uh, scare campaign on Prime. Scare campaign refers to the fictional hidden camera prank show where the cast and crew set up elaborate schemes to scare their targets silly on camera. Uh, however, the hijinks are becoming so involved that it's getting dangerous. When a rival web series threatens to usurp their ratings and they're encouraged to up the ante, things get deadly quick. Writers, uh, writer-directors Cameron and Colin Cairns first lean into the narrative expectations, then subvert them. The film's a lot of fun and kills are delightfully bloody. Again, not heard of this one. But the next one, the last one on this little list of... Uh, of uh, prank-filled horrors, uh, Hey Fran the Cannon, uh, is Joyride. Now, for the life of me, hopefully chat will remember the English, uh, the UK uh, title for this, because it wasn't called Joyride in the UK. Um, and annoyingly, it hasn't mentioned what the other title is uh, is here. Uh, Joyride is available on Stars, and it stars, God, I'm awful with names, Steve Zane and Paul Walker. Uh, candy Cane, hey, anybody know a Candy Cane? Playing a prank via CB radio during a road trip, college kids act as a seductive female truck driver. They lure an unsuspecting male truck driver to a motel room and find they've chosen the wrong victim to humiliate. That truck driver, Rusty Nail, spends the rest of the film hunting down his pranksters to enact vengeance. That's a, that is a fun film. That's one of those late 90s, early 2000s thriller horrors. Um, it's definitely one worth a watch, but for the life of me, I cannot remember the UK title. Uh, if chat knows, help me out. But definitely, they all sound pretty good, so I'm going to 
Roadkill. Thank you, Fran the Cannon. Yes, um, it's definitely one worth checking out. Uh, now, I dropped the trailer for this last week. Um, it, uh, it came out the day after the show. But it's the trailer, tra trailer? the trailer for A24's Men, directed by ex Machina director and writer Alex Garland. Um, the trailer that has uh, has now dropped, um, and uh, we're in for one mind-bending journey with no shortage of Rory Kinnear from Penny Dreadful. Uh, the official plot synopsis: In the aftermath of a personal tragedy, Harper, played by Jesse Buckley, retreats alone to the beautiful English countryside, hoping to have found a place to heal. But someone or something from the surrounding woods appears to be stalking her. What begins as simmering dread becomes a fully formed nightmare, inhabited by her darkest memories and fears in visionary filmmaker Alex Garland's shape-shifting new horror. Uh, hey, good evening to um, The Gruff. How's it going? I'm just going to drop the link in the chat for uh, for the uh, the segment on Bloody Disgusting with the trailer for men. It definitely looks it looks pretty weird. It looks pretty weird, but it looks pretty interesting. Uh, next up, now this is this is kind of good, but also I don't know what that means for this film's box office. So the news has dropped that Ty West and A24's X, which I've spoke about a number of times on here, and I've still not seen, um, it's going to be slashing its way onto Blu-ray in May. Um, it's scared up an 8.7 million at the box office so far. Which is pretty good for an independent, uh, an independent horror. I don't know what the budget was on it, but you know, for for little-known non-franchise uh, horrors, that's not bad. Um, I hope you know. I hope it is a success because I do like Ty West. Um, the Gruff will give it a watch. I'm really looking forward to seeing it. Um, Turbo Chic High as well. Uh, this trailer for Men is insane. Says Fran the Cannon. Um, but yeah, the film should be out digitally sooner now. I had hoped to see this in a cinema. I don't live near any cinema since I've moved out to the middle of nowhere. Um, and tried to sort of arrange, uh, arrange a viewing with, uh, with some friends. Hasn't happened yet, but um, it's going to be coming out on digital pretty soon, which is pretty cool. I'm, I'm excited for that, but I, I hope that that's you know, not like a rush and that the film is as successful as it should be. From the sounds of it, it's very good. Uh, also, and I'll drop the trailer for this, in the chat, Jewel trailer has been released. It's Karen Gillan has a fight to the death with her clone. Um, again, it's from Bloody Disgusting, written by John Squires. In the wake of landing a massive deal out of Sundance, RLJE Films is getting set to release Jewel from director Riley Stearns, a genre film starring Karen Gillan and Aaron Paul. Um, okay, let's just go for the little, uh, the little brief on it. Collider has shared the official Jewel trailer today, giving us a good idea of how this wild premise will play out. The premise, you ask? Well, Jewel is set in a world where people can have themselves cloned when they're about to die. And Karen Gillan plays the character at the centre of the tale. She has herself cloned, but then realises she's not actually dying anymore. The solution? The two are forced to fight to the death, leaving only one of them alive to walk the earth. Uh, that sounds interesting as hell. I'll drop the link in the chat, but um, I'm always for original, uh, original films... You know, maybe going on a wacky, uh, a wacky route or an oddball route. I mean, I've not watched the trailer yet myself. I only saw this uh, a couple of moments ago, but uh, definitely, definitely want to check out. What else have we got now? This I'm interested in. Horror Adventure Insomnis is receiving a PlayStation 5 enhanced version and a physical edition. I've not even heard of this game before, but um, it seems like... It 
doesn't say when it was originally released, but uh, Sony Interactive Entertainment, Espana, and Path Games are, re- are releasing the Long Night Edition uh, of Insomnus for the PlayStation 4, and they've also announced that they'll be receiving an enhanced version on the PlayStation 5 on May the 31st, as well as a physical European release. Uh, it's also available on PC via Steam now. I may have to check this one out. We've started doing um, MOH games, horror games. We're going to be playing through The Condemned. I don't know if I'll be doing a stream this week. I don't want to commit to the gaming on a regular basis because uh, things pop up, you know. We've all got things that we're doing. Um, but it's definitely one that I want to see through to the end. And considering I'm playing it on easy mode, I've not really got an excuse to finish it. But uh, yeah, I will. I will probably check that out maybe during the recorded segment. Uh, oh, Fran the Cannon, for fans of horror games, the trailer for The Quarry looks good, with David Arquette and Lynn Shea, uh, made by the guys that did Until Dawn. Yeah, it does look interesting. I'll definitely be checking that out. I do play quite a lot of those uh, those games, like the um, Lost Pictures anthology. Um, so yeah, The Quarry looks pretty interesting. We've also got uh, Rob Zombie has shared new photos of the Monsters reboot cast. We don't know the date yet, but we do know that it's going to be getting a PG rating, so I'm going to be interested to see what kind of dialogue uh, Rob Zombie uh, can write for a film hitting a PG rating. Now, I love Rob Zombie's music, um, and I love the aesthetic of his films. Uh, but as we, w- as you will hear a bit later on in the Halloween uh, segment, I'm not a massive fan of the, the dialogue he writes for characters. Like, I'm no prude. But not every word has to be effing and jeffing and sea bombs. It's not necessary. Write some protagonists that we can like. Um, so while we continue waiting for a release date for the film, Rob Zombie is again taken to Instagram to share a new photo from the set of the monsters, giving us a fresh new look at his reboot cast. Um, I'll drop it in the chat. It's got his usual kind of cast of uh, of actors. Make of that what you will. Uh, like I say, I, I like, I want to like more Rob Zombie films, but I find it quite difficult at times. <laughs> we'll see. We'll, I'll, I'll watch anything with an open mind. Uh, and finally, Sons of the Forest. The release has been pushed back to October 2022. Sons of the Forest is the sequel to The Forest. Uh, it's a game that I randomly picked up a year or so back, like £4.99 on PlayStation. Oh, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. It's pretty damn... It's pretty damn scary. Um, I like the building aspects, which I never thought I would. Normally, any sort of crafting game just puts me off because I don't have the patience for it. Um, But the the crafting is good. It's a good game to play with mates, and it's sketchy as hell when uh, you're going through a cave and you can just hear cannibals screaming at you or suddenly... The pitter-patter of a, of a cannibal or some massive mutant running up on you. Now, in spite of the trailer, this again is from Bloody, Bloody Disgusting, published by uh, Mike Wilson six hours ago. Uh, in spite of the trailer released last November announcing the release date, developer N Night Games has made the decision to delay Sons of the Forest. It was originally scheduled for release on May 20th of this year, but the game has now been pushed back to October 2022. Um... Endgame took to Twitter with the announcement saying that the May 2022 release date for Sons of the Forest was overly ambitious. While the developers didn't outright state the reasoning for the delay, the statement alludes to the team's visions for Sons of the Forest being behind the decision. I'm 
all four games being delayed. Um, I think there's an argument that could be said for games being announced too early. Um, CZ Project Red recently announced they'll be making a new Witcher game, which is great because I love The Witcher 3, but at the same point, the uh, Cyberpunk 2077 game had a lot of issues. Um, some people finding it completely unplayable to begin with, Something, some having game-breaking glitches, um, and it's only really now recently been rectified, like a year later. It does kind of seem like a bit of a PR thing. Um, so I'd kind of, for me, prefer games to be announced, kind of like the Guardians of the Galaxy, like six months out or whatever it was, and it comes out ready to play. Um, so Sons of the Forest, they maybe announced it a bit too early, considering how long it's, it's taking, but at the same point... I would much prefer a game be released, finished, complete game, because the, the price of games these days, you're paying a lot of money, you want to be able to play it out the box or straight from the download. Uh, Fran McCann says, just seen Jessie Buckley, who's in Men, is also going to star in the new Dark Anthology game. That's awesome. She is um, she's a talent really, really coming into the forefront. I think I first saw a film of Jessie Buckley's on Prime a couple of years ago called Beast. It's... It's kind of a indie dark drama thriller. It's not horror, but it's quite good. Um, it's worth a watch if you're a fan of the actress. I don't know who the director was, but it's um, it's a decent dark drama for sure. Uh, that's really it for the news uh, tonight. Like I say, we haven't really got any reviews. Disappointing week for uh, the films to watch, but that now brings us to our next segment. Uh, it's a segment where I will be, it's pre-recorded, which worked out. I was going to be doing this uh, this uh, pre-recording for a show in a couple of weeks' time, but as mentioned, unforeseen circumstances, uh, it's, sorry, I thought someone was knocking the door, but it was just my dog headbutting the uh, the wardrobe. He's <laughs> um, mental, he's crazy. But it's now been quite fortuitous that we can uh, go into this. So I'll be having a little interview uh, discussion with film horror actor and musician uh, Dean Jovi. Check out his stuff on, on YouTube. I think it's just youtube.com forward slash Dean Jovi, I believe. Uh, no relation to John Bond. Um, yeah, we had a great chat. Um, now, I will just preface this is a pre-recording so that I've... Uh, I need to dip out for a bit, have to go cut the grass. No problem, Mal, no worries. Um, I'll be playing it. I will be here in the chat throughout. I may take some breaks to go do the drying up, uh, maybe take a shower, maybe make my lunch for work tomorrow, but I will generally be uh, be uh, here in the chat. Um, but yeah. And my dog is attacking his bed. Brilliant. In With that in mind, let's now throw it over to me. Saturday afternoon. Good. Well, I don't know. It's the afternoon here, but it's going to be shown in the evening in a few weeks' time. Uh, welcome to the Ministry of Horror. This is a pre-recorded segment, um, and I am joined, as you can see, in person for a change. Uh, with me is my friend, musician and actor, Mr. Dean Jovi. Hello. Hello, hello. Welcome hello. to the show, Dean. Thank you for having me. How, how are you today? I'm good, actually. It's a nice day today, isn't it? It's very Lovely nice and sunny. Day. Um, at the time of recording, um, part of me kind of thought, do I do I say this is news? But technically it is part of the horror realm. Uh, there's a film that's recently been released um, called Root. Oh, what the hell is it called? I think it's called 
I've even completely forgot, the Foo Fighters film. There's a Foo Fighters horror film that they've recently released, but today, the 26th of uh, March, the news broke that Taylor Hawkins has passed away at the age of 50. Um, sucks, man. It's always a weird thing to say, but I mean, I've never really been a huge sort of Foo Fighters fan, but that's no age to go at all. And he always seems like a really cool guy, very talented musician, so it's a huge, a huge shame. And, um... Lost to the music industry. Yeah. It's, I swear the last few episodes we've had people dying as part of the news. So it's a real bit of a dampener. But yeah, this is fresh today. So yeah, that's that's kind of occurred today. Um, now, Dean, um, I have to kind of mainly face this way. It's a very directional <laughs> microphone. So uh, I don't want to be kind of cutting in and out like every time I do that. Um, every time I have a guest on, I generally like to understand their... Uh, horror origin story for want of a better term like what for you what kind of drew you into the horror genre what's like your earliest memory of uh of being a fan or becoming a fan of horror well basically when i was quite a young boy before i should be watching horror films i uh, i caught a glimpse and i think it was on channel four i'm going back to like the mid 90s and i caught a glimpse of michael myers in Halloween, the original Halloween by John Carpenter, the 78 one. And something about that mask intrigued me, but scared me shitless at the same time. That I don't know if it was the, you couldn't see the eyes, it was just a blank expression. But ever since then, I was fascinated with sort of like slashes, and I thought, as I got older, what other slashes are there? Well, there must be more films like this. And then you find the Friday the 13th, and then you sort of step away from that and you sort of um look into right what inspired john carpenter you know because both you and i are massive john carpenter fan who inspired him and go back to like watching alfie chickcock the the birds and 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 uh uh psycho and all the other ones and just think oh wow this is like really down this is some cool stuff and and then you get into the the silly things like the, the good city things, by the way, not in the bad way. City and the, I, I laugh at these like Hellraiser and stuff, where it's just so ridiculous and <laughs> so like out of. It's not really based in reality, but yeah. brilliant and um, so entertaining. So yeah, those the it was Halloween that got me into horror. Just seeing that glimpse of Michael Myers or the shape as he was called in that one scared me. Scared me. Sh- Shitless. I'll try not to swear, but fuck it. It's fine. It's fine. Um, now, another kind of question I always like to ask. This It can change from day to day. I'm pretty sure I say that on on every time that, you know, this for this question, it's uh, it's, it's not a definitive um, uh, ruling, but if you had to pick a top three horrors for you right now, uh, what would those three horror films, or, you know, books or TV shows, whatever, your top three horror media, what would they be right now and why? Well, present, that's out now. Uh, yeah, just in terms of, if you had to say, my three favourite horrors, as at now, in terms of like, you know, because maybe Halloween might be number one one day and something else might be number one, you know, what would you, what would you say? Halloween, always, forever. Um... Rob Zombie's one, yeah? <laughs> yeah, Halloween too. <laughs> um, oh, bless him. Um, yeah, the, the the original Halloween. I, I, I like the 
the the 2018 one as well i thought that was a good way to turn the franchise give them resurrection and other ones before um i really i really um what have i been watching i've been watching uh, what, uh, the new the new chucky film the new charles play film i thought was pretty good with uh, mark hamill doing the uh, yeah, yeah. um doing the voice of chucky which i've always I'm like, oh, can you really replace uh, Brad? What's it? I don't know. He's uh, like, Dorif. 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 Um, he's so iconic in that role, but you know, Mark Mark Hamill's not exactly uh, no, unknown, is he? He's uh, got his voice acting chops. Yeah, and the third third one. I really I do like the the Friday series, and I know this is probably not popular. Uh, I know that there's a few crummy ones in there, but I like the crummy ones as well, like Jason Takes Manhattan. Again, I remember buying that on DVD thinking, oh, this is going to be amazing watching my Jason knock about Manhattan, slashing everyone up. Yeah, five minutes at the end of him. It's basically, the rest of it's on a boat. <laughs> it's like, oh, kind of sold on that one. So, yeah. But no, I'll say then for, you know, I'm a massive Kane Hodder fan as well, so anything he's in is... is good yeah excellent excellent um well i mean i don't really have any more uh little kind of questions to 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 throw at you but uh, i know that um and you can be completely honest here i'm not looking for any ass kissing um you've done some horror acting roles um how did you find those so you were in um my kind of first directing gig uh devil in the woods in a small mm -hmm. role and then also a film i made with a guest from episode two of ministry of horror peter goddard um Harvest of the Dead Halloween Night as uh, Detective Barber. So how did you find kind of uh, stepping into working on a horror film? I thought it was a really good, really good experience, again, like, not asking since, talk, talking straight. Um, it was really good. It was cool to sort of see, like, hear from your side, hear, like, seeing you and Pete of like, what, you, what you guys do, like, to try and make a scene work, what needs to be rewritten, if anything does, what works, what doesn't work, um, and sort of with a, a, a next-to-no budget, creating something that looks good, looks like you can put it on Blu-ray, watch it in your, your room, put it in cinema, wherever. So, um, no, it's really cool. It's just learning lines, as you know, it's not my strong point. <laughs> it's not mine either, don't worry. <laughs> um... But no, it is good, and uh, I enjoyed reading the scripts as well um, to try and sort of visualise what I think it's going to look like or, and all that, and then put the two together and sort of think, actually, yeah, that looks better than what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> so, no, it's good. It's really good. It's um, always a um, uh, an experience of kind of how you visualise it from reading the script. Uh, and then the reality, and the reality often is determined by budget and and location availability. But yeah, um, that dens be the questions. Now we're going to move on to the main kind of portion of what we're going to be looking at uh, today, Dean. We are going to be looking at a franchise that is near and dear to both our hearts, and that is the Halloween franchise. Uh, there are. I can't bother to count them. Quite a few films. I think they're in the double digits. Uh, they're getting up there. Um, and um, we're going to kind of work through them in release order. Um, we have a little rating scale here. Cool. Five being best, uh, one being worst. So really, 
just to kind of break that down a bit more, five is that, you know, top tier, best of the best. Uh, four, you know, is it's really good. Three, decent. Two, it's not very good, but it's watchable maybe. And one, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, we'll we'll be talking about the films. We'll be putting them where we see them in the different, uh, the different brackets. And then when we get to the end, depending on how many films we've deemed to be in the top, the top number five, will then determine which of those in that top bracket alone is the best Halloween film. So we're going to start from the start, which is 1978, John Carpenter's uh, film written by John Carpenter with Deborah Hill, who also produced, and that is Halloween. Now, Normally, I would say we have a discussion, and then at the end of that discussion, we put it in the ranking. But I think for this one, we can we'll we'll have the discussion. But let's just put it there. There's only one place for it. There's only one place for it. As I said at the start, it's the film that got me into horror. Um, yeah. It's the film that started the franchise. It's the you know again sort of John Carpenter showing what can be done on a shoestring budget. Um, and until Blair Witch, I think was the highest, um, the highest grossing hot independent horror film until Blair Witch come out. I think that's which right. Was yeah. 97, 98. I can't remember when Blair Witch came out. I think it was ninety seven. Sounds about right. Hmm. Yeah. So, um, yeah, like you said, nothing more to be said. It's just a masterpiece. I was thinking about this um, the other day that. You could take this, the general kind of initial storyline of someone in their youth or developing period has a traumatic event or is part of a traumatic event, years later puts on a mask, kills people. And in any other person, like director or, or script developer's hands, that's what you probably get. But John Carpenter's created, you know, with his score, with, uh, with his shots something that is just top top tier horror it's next level in un in someone else's hands as we do find with a number of the entries in the series it won't it just it can't be pulled off but john carpenter kind of makes it look effortless um so yeah nothing more to be said really the the first one goes straight in at five out of five definitely that brings us on to one that i find my opinion changes quite a lot on it, um, so I'm going to be interested, uh, Dean, to hear your views on this. That is the October 30th, 1981 release, uh, directed by Rick Rosenthal, um, also written by John Carpenter, Deborah Hill. Uh, that is Halloween 2. What are your thoughts on this one, Dean? I like it. It's not popular view. I don't think John Carpenter even likes it. Um, but I, I I I found once I got of an age where I can go and buy horror films and buy box sets and stuff. When I got there, it was the first again. Obviously, Halloween was the film that started it for me. So I brought the Halloween box set and watched Halloween too. I hadn't seen it on the TV or anything, and I don't know if it was my wanting more my Michael Myers stuff, wanting him to go around and see a bit more. It just felt like kind of a, there's more blood in it, it's a bit more gory, you know, when he gets the lady's head and dunks it in the boiling water and all of that, and the, the um, syringes in the eyes, and I like it. Um, a little bit more violent, but it can't copy 
the first one but it kind of has that same feel of the first one which i find as we'll go through other entries don't necessarily have that same feel um so and obviously the famous one that that made uh, laurie and michael brother and sister <laughs> yeah so the reason i have like uh different opinions um or my opinion changes on this I can have it where it comes on TV or it's you know, recently a bunch of them have gone on Netflix and I'll watch it and I'll have a great time. And other times, I won't necessarily have a bad time, but I'll maybe be a bit more critical than I have previously. So the things why I don't love this film in comparison, well, not in comparison to the first, but just the other sequels, I found that for me, the pacing of it lulls quite a bit in the middle. You've obviously got Laurie's not really in it a lot. It makes sense because of the story, but still, our protagonist from the first film is kind of out of it for a good chunk. Um, and really, there's one particular moment which, on one hand, is a cool kill, but on the other hand, I, I, I look at it sometimes as a bit silly, and that's the syringe lifting up. Oh, yeah. I think if that had been his trademark knife, then I wouldn't have thought that's kind of silly, but because it's a syringe, it's like, now we're getting into the kind of superhuman yeah. strength realm, which he was strong in the first film, you know, raising raising the guy up, but that's not impossible. Um, but with a little syringe? I don't know. Like I say, sometimes I will watch things with a more critical opinion. Other times I'll just... I'm in for the ride, so this one we may have to have a bit of a compromise on score. What what are you thinking out of five, Dean, for Halloween two? I thought we meant the music score then. Um I didn't no, actually I the, can't I, remember what the score is. It's, it's not, I decent, think it's, I think, on that one. Yeah. Um I think it's three. Yeah, I'd I'd agree three. It's not bad. It's by not, any means. Yeah, it's it, it for me, like I sort of said, it was uh it's gonna it's near impossible to match the first one. But that was, you know, it gave me a bit more Michael Myers, and I think that's why I kind of liked it. Yeah. And, um, you know, we've got Loomis is slowly you know, getting kind of crazier as he does in the later sequels, even more so, but you've got to love Donald Pleasance. Um, you know, he's hunting, he's hunting the shape, and, it, yeah, it's it's decent. It's never, it's never a bad film, no. but... Three. I three. think three for me. Okay, now... <laughs> What's what's always been a divisive film, um, and it's a film that I suppose in more recent years has had a, a bit more of a reevaluation, um, and I suppose maybe everyone's kind of had their had their opinions change. I do think people, obviously everyone has their opinions, but I do think people get a bit over the top when they go, oh, "Well, my favourite film of the franchise is obviously Halloween Three. It's the best film." I don't know. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> like, if you're taking the entire franchise and saying, well, the first one's the one that doesn't have the iconic killer in it, then you're talking shit. <laughs> um, that is 1982's, so literally a, a year later, technically less than, a few few days earlier, uh, written and directed by Tommy Lee Wallace, uh, again produced by Deborah Hill, John Carpenter. That is Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. What are your memories... What, what was your opinion when you first saw this, uh, Dean? And then, I guess, in later years, um, if you have rewatched it, has your opinion changed at all? Uh, yeah, I did rewatch it. The first time I watched it, I think I was just, like I said, I had the box set, so it was kind of like a little movie marathon after you know seeing the first one a few times. And 
I was just disappointed that Michael wasn't in it. I was like, oh, okay, like, that's a little bit naff. Like, um, I thought it was cool because Tommy Lee was this guy that actually made the iconic mask in the first one, and I thought, that's cool to give him sort of director duties and that, but I was like, oh, it's not, I know Michael Myers is on an advert, so technically he's in all of them, but it's not really in it, is he? Uh, and I was like, oh, okay. But then... As I got a little older, a little wiser, and mm. hair starts to grow in some really weird places, um, I actually watched it to not and not thought of it as a Halloween film. I didn't think of it as part of the franchise. Well, it, it's a completely separate story, so it's unfair for me to compare. I liked it. I thought it was actually a pretty good story. I mean, it's somewhat dated now, but it was in the early eighties, and but I like the feel of it. I like this. It's got that annoying, catchy tune in it um which uh once you watch it you you just it's in your head for a week um <laughs> i quite liked it i thought it was a little bit it was just fun it, it was a nice ride like you said earlier it was i turn my brain off and just watch it and go for the ride and i thought i thought it was all right it's not my go-to film though i don't go and watch it i've probably seen it three times in my entire life um but it's all right it's all right so you haven't got one of those, um, like I mentioned earlier, when um, I, I liken it to having a hipster opinion. When it's like um, <laughs> the best, the best one is uh, the one that people don't like. Uh, it's not the best one, <laughs> but it's it's not as bad as I think people used no. to think it was. So it was similar. When I first saw it, I was very much like, "Where's Michael Myers? What the hell? What's this? What's this BS?" Um, but kind of on. Uh, I do like it. I think as a kind of a separate film to the uh, to the franchise, it being its own thing. Um, so I'm just having a look at the levels. The joys of having levels in front of you, they're very distracting. Um, it's, it's got some pretty pretty cool moments, but then it has got some absolutely batshit mental moments, like the Stonehenge rocks starting to shoot lasers out of them, and uh, <laughs> the, the robots and... That woman gets a face. She's playing with, playing with a, a thing she's found. It shoots a laser beam in her face. And then there's that woman that he was, that he meets and he randomly bangs. Um, and then she turns into a robot later on. <laughs> it's like, it's fun. It's a fun but, film. Um, where do you reckon this goes on the score of one to five? Is that, that's a difficult one. That's a difficult one. I. My first reaction is to say two, but I think two is harsh because it's not it's not a bad it's not rubbish. There are worse films that we'll, we'll obviously get to. <laughs> two, let's go two. Let's go two. Yeah, because it's 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 fine. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a had in in my eyes. Yeah. It's not a Halloween film. Yeah, I think if they wanted to go down the route of doing uh, a um, an anthology type series, or you know, each each film being its own contained story, maybe that could have worked. Mm. But they made a sequel to Halloween first. I think if you wanted to go down that route, um, and I'm not I'm not advocating for that because I do love some of the later films in the series. But if you wanted to go down that route. Have your ambiguous ending of the boogeyman getting shot a bunch of times, falling off a balcony, but then still living, and then that's that story gone to something else. Um, if you do a, if you continue that story, and then come back for a third time, but it's completely different. It's a completely different tale. Um, 
doesn't really necessarily work. I mean, some franchises do do it, but I think on a much smaller scale. I mean, Insidious had two chapters that are the same sort of story, and then a third was a focusing on a different story, but you also had some characters carrying over, whereas this was basically completely unrelated. So, yeah, two out of five. Moving on to what is potentially outside of the first one, maybe my favourite. Uh, 1988, uh, directed by Dwight H. Little, a uh, bunch of screenwriters on this one, um, Danny uh, Lipsius, Larry Ratner, Benjamin Ruffner and uh, Alan B. McElroy, produced by Paul Freeman. This is uh, Halloween for The Return of Michael Myers, which also, um, I would probably say, maybe has the best opening credits of the series. That is on my notes, Mr. Terence. Uh, that is on my notes. I loved when that film opens, it just captures St. Eerie, Cole. The, the, it's not still shots as well. It's actual recording. You see the wind moving things and all of this. And I thought, that was brilliant. And then I don't know for why, but it cuts to nighttime raining and an ambulance. And I was like, oh, that kind of doesn't really go with the, the footage we were just seeing. Um, but yeah, I agree. That's that's uh, that's on my notes, Mister Terence, and I thought that was a brilliant opening. To, yeah. Probably the best one actually, other yeah. than the original. Well, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I like it more than the original. Not in terms of the whole film, but opening maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe who knows? <laughs> uh, what are your what are your views then? Uh, what's your opinion on uh, on Halloween Four in terms of as a? And I think maybe at this point we could probably start talking about not just the film. Uh, but also the Michael. Um, I mean, the Michael in two compared to one is kind of similar. I mean, it's a bit bulkier. The mask looks kind of a little bit fatter, but I think this is the first point when we've got quite a considerably different Michael. But first, let's talk about the film. Thoughts on the film? I, I like it. I think it's... Um... I think it's the highest grossing, or was one of the highest, the highest grossing sequel. Um... It, I really enjoyed it. The the other than the, the mask, the, the mask is saying I find distracting in all of the films, every single one, because it's not the first one. The the newer ones they they've done a pretty good job on, but once I kind of got get past the mask, looking slightly different, um, I thought it was interesting. Interesting way to go that you know, um, they they named. Um, Laurie's daughter, um, Jamie, after Jamie Lee. Um, I think a bit weird, you know, I remember watching it thinking I really liked it at the time and sort of watching it previous thinking, I just, maybe I could have thought a bit more of a better story as opposed to just killing off Jamie, um, Jamie Lee's character, Laurie. Um, I thought it was good. Daniel Harris was brilliant in it as well. Like, a kid that can act that well at that age it was... Yeah, she she sort of drew, drew me in, and I thought, ah, oh, you know, um, yeah, it was good. It was a good film. It was a bit bit gory, and now like the bit with the thumb, um, the thumb yeah. in the head. I thought well, that kind of shows Michael's brute strength. Um, and it was interesting because obviously after two, Michael and um, Loomis. Kind of like you just thought they burnt alive. They yeah. you know. exploded. Yeah, so maybe Loomis has got similar uh, powers to Michael because what he come out with in in Halloween Four was a bit of a scar on his cheek <laughs> and a bit of a limp. So 
that's not too bad. <laughs> Coming that's out, all right. Yeah. Uh, uh, but I, I think that was the you know Donald Pleasant putting the, he always puts in a good performance, um, and it was good to see he's slightly coming a bit more unhinged. So in in one you he thought everyone else was crazy and everyone thought he was crazy, but he wasn't crazy. He was right. Yeah. Two slightly the, the hinges are slightly coming off, and in four they're like oh they are proper coming off now. Um, <laughs> So that was interesting as well. That the 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 writers even thought about going into that sort of depth with his psyche and his character of what will this do to someone? You know, a bit like the the modern films where it's like, what would it do to someone having to live with that trauma? Um, but yeah, I, I like it. Yeah, I mean, with the with the Jamie Lee Curtis um, aspect. It was weird sort of initially seeing it. I mean, I think when I first saw it, I caught it on the sci-fi channel um, and I was very much like, oh, man, they made a fourth one. I didn't realise because it was before days before the internet. Um, and I guess it makes sense because if Jamie Lee Curtis didn't want to return, um, you can't recast her because there would just be uproar. Like, it's never, it's never really a good idea to recast a, an established uh, character. It never really works. Um, so what can you do with that? You want to, I suppose they've already created this family lineage in the second one. And so it's like, mm. we've got to kind of continue that. What do you do in a sequel? It's the kids, it's the relatives. Um, so that kind of makes sense. And you do feel for Jamie because she's an orphan and the kids at school are absolute dickheads. Um, <laughs> well, <me too. laughs> they're just horrible. Um, yeah, the mask is... The mask is one of the worst in the not the worst, I don't think, but it's it's taken like the blank expressionless kind of too far because it's basically just almost flat white with mm. huge eye holes, and the guy who he played the guy I can't remember who played uh, who played Michael Warlock something was it, Warlock was it Dick Warlock Dick Warlock um, let's have a look casting oh just give me a goddamn cast list. <laughs> I'm strange to remember John. Uh, is it Don Shanks is is in the fifth one? Yeah, because he's massive. He's almost... Oh, George P. Wilbur was this one. Ah. It was George P. Wilbur. There was the thing that I always found kind of distracting was I think he did move quite well as Michael, but I don't know if it was the way he played it or just his own personal frame. But he always seemed a bit shoulders. Yeah, up. a bit rigid. A bit like, yeah, square. Yeah, so. I mean, I really enjoyed it, and I think the Michael performance is decent. Um, what would you give the the film as a score, and then also what do you think of the Michael? Michael, uh, strange fact just dawned on me that George guy. I think he's he was the first guy to play Michael twice because he plays him in Curse. Yes, I believe um, that's correct. Yeah, just a bit of geek knowledge there. Um, <laughs> I will put four because I like the thing with the the bit I didn't mention when I was waffling on was the the bit with the townspeople as well like the town like yeah we ain't gonna take your shit like and then they shoot an innocent person um, but it's kind of like I imagine that it's actually quite realistic that a town you would get the sort of jobs down the pub thinking yeah it's gonna smash him up like. I think this was the better representation of mob mentality in a Halloween film. <laughs> I get to that one. <laughs> um, I will put this at number four. 
for. And what do you think of Michael? I mean, we haven't we haven't got a tier list for Michael, but just general, you know. Uh, not the best, but not the worst. I, I, I think he did just enough. To, I think the, the guy that played him was like a stuntman anyway, so he, he, he probably had to move a bit like a, for certain stunts like that. Oh, yeah, there's um, quite, quite a few moments like that. Mm, because, yeah. But, um, yeah, no, I, I think it was cool. I like the, I like the bit in um, when Loomis... Sees sees the ambulance in the in the water and says no he's escaped and then sees him at the petrol station and then Michael bursts out um, of the petrol station sets the whole thing on fire. Oh, that was an awesome set piece. That is brilliant. That bit. Um, oh, so, I want to give a special shout out uh, in this film to the uh, performance of Kathleen Kil- Kinmont as uh, Kelly Meeker. Yeah, if you haven't seen Halloween Four, check that out. Check that out. <laughs> <laughs> and and, uh, and Bo Starr, who played Lieutenant Walsh in Due South, he was oh. brilliant in that as a sheriff. He, you know, some actors you kind of think just being a lieutenant or a sheriff or whatever in police—that's just your role forever. Yeah, like that's... whatever you can, that's all you're ever going to get cast <laughs> at. He's that. He's that. He's brilliant. You're just a policeman. Yeah. Just a policeman. He's like, his I'm not sure as if it's his daughter or whoever. He's like, calm down, calm down. Like, I'm like what? <laughs> Chill out, Dan. Yeah, Rick, what a legend, what a legend. <laughs> okay, we're gonna move on to a. Uh, ooh, this is one that my definitely my opinion can change on it. Sometimes I do have quite a low opinion of it, um, and it does. I think it has some good moments. I think they could have easily. They could have easily made things better by just cutting out the dopey police music, quite frankly. Um, released a year later, so another habit of a quick turnaround on a sequel. Uh, directed by Dominique uh, Othenin Girard. Uh, screenwriter is Michael Jacobs, uh, Dominique Othenin Girard, and uh, Shem Bitterman. Uh, produced by Ramsey Thomas. This was the revenge of Michael Myers, Halloween 5. Mm. Um this is something we've kind of discussed previously on the podcast when it comes to franchises and sequels that um, recently announced uh, at the time of recording Halloween 6, not Halloween 6, Scream 6 uh, has been um, announced for release in March 2023. Scream 5 has proved to be quite a success. Still not got around to watching it yet. I will because I, I like the Scream series, but it's not my go-to. Anyway, the discussion uh, we had was that you can have um, a film become successful or surprisingly successful mm. and the studio greenlight a sequel quickly. This doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a failure, but if you haven't already got a script or at least a plan in place for a follow-up film, which I'm not saying this is what Scream 6, we don't, we don't know at this stage, then you're in a position where you've all of a sudden got a deadline and a release and you've got to write a film, which isn't easy, Cast, shoot, all of that stuff. So they had a huge uh, task here and a quick turnaround to achieve it. And I think this is one of those films that suffers um, for that. Um, I'll go into my thoughts a bit more shortly, but Dean, what are your thoughts and feelings on Halloween 5? The first... I like the first half because I've seen that it follows straight on from the fourth. So you get shot, it falls down the, the... The, the well or the, the 
Kevin. Um, which I remember thinking watching the first random place for that. So the guy throws the dynamite down there, it explodes, he gets into the river, and then he gets washed down, and then someone takes care of him and stuff, which I wasn't, I didn't think was, I was it kind of ruins the mystique. The thing with Michael for me was the, the mysteriousness of him. The, the, how could he be shot so many times and stabbed so many times, still survive, and then showing like, Oh, he's actually been damaged to the point where this old this old geezer's looking after him for a year, and then oh, he just he's. Oh, it's Halloween! Oh, it's Halloween! Hey, oh, look, I better go and take some revenge for the fuckers that tried to kill me. Um, I think it's the worst mask in the franchise, um, other than maybe H two O, which had about three or four different masks in it which I can't rate all of them um, no. <laughs> I think it's one of the, the worst masks in the franchise and again the Don Shanks who played I think it's his name played Michael he's he's, he's massive <laughs> right. and Michael I think it was the first time we kind of saw Michael heading towards Jason realm and, and I, I didn't quite like that I, I like that Michael was a kind of small tiny little guy that just popped up out of nowhere he was a shape um the the story i think introduced the the um the, the man in black um which i'm sure which obviously we'll get to in the next one just caused problems i think i think they just tried to cram too much mysterious stuff in to try and get a sequel greenlit um the the bit where I, th- I think the only good bit of it is is Loomis. I think Loomis is brilliant because he's proper off the rails in this yeah. one. Um, but I uh, not my favourite one. I don't think it was uh, for me like the, the bit in the attic where the, like the it's, it's, the coffin's there and, and Jamie gets into the coffin and you kind of look around. And you're like, there's loads of candles lit. Now <laughs> Michael Myers doesn't seem to me the kind of chap that would light candles and it's just weird things like that throughout the film that I watch like when he puts on the other mask and he's driving the car and the girl's giving him a kiss and I'm like that's not like what's going on up there Michael because in the first one you would have just chopped her her up um yeah the the ambiance uh, in the attic was a bit weird I mean Michael has the penchant for um, setting up tableaus, like, you know, with uh, the gravestone in the first mm. film. Like, he does like to... It's a, it's a bit weird in that way that he likes to set up a set up a little show, but then this was like, are you looking to hook up or something, Michael? What's with all these candles? Can, can, can you imagine him just, like, lighting the candles? Just going, like, oh, oh no, I need to move it along there. Delete like, and see, I need to move that one along. Gokwan or someone goes, no, Mark, you need a bit more feng shui. I mean, like, I, I, I just found it really sort of distracting. Um, and I mean, it's just a stupid thing to be distracted by. But it's also, I didn't like him in jail. Like, they caught him at the end and he's in jail, obviously, the, the, the man in black breaks down the, uh, the police station, shoots everyone up and, and releases it. But seeing Michael on his knees in jail just seems wrong. Like, he spoke in my he's he's obviously been captured before because in the first one he's captured and in the the lunatic asylum but i don't want to see that because it ruins the mystique of i'm like oh you can 
caught him quite easily at the end because he just got tied up in all that mm. them chains and that and and then Loomis beat him to death and gave himself a heart attack and died on top of <laughs> on top of Michael apparently yeah, um, yeah not my favourite no I mean I can see the difficulties they have with this one the fourth one ends um quite iconic it's a the fourth one is quite 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 an iconic ending but i've never necessarily been that enthused with it like it's quite it's interesting seeing that the end of it after maybe it's because she touched michael's hand and maybe something transferred which is where i think whatever um but jamie attacks i don't think she kills and it's clarified in the fifth one she didn't die but attacks her um adopted uh, you know adopted mum has the masks on, has the scissors. Now, we jump forward to the fifth one, which is a year later. The telepathic stuff, not really a fan of. I'm, I'm, my, my, my view with films is I, <laughs> I either like a f- film to be a paranormal film or to be a realistic slasher. When you start getting partway through a franchise and it's transitioning into that way... I think be all or be all or nothing. Funnily enough, I don't. I quite actually like the whole cult of thorn bollocks. <laughs> I, I find it quite schlocky, but I like it. Um, but with this one, you've got Danielle Harris's character Jamie is mute for quite a bit, um, which I just found quite irritating. Just when she's all like. Argh. I'll just bloody talk. Um, I found that kind of annoying, but at the same point, I like Loomis just not giving a shit and being like, come on, Jamie! Tell me what are you trying to say? And it's like, well, she's not spoken for a year. I don't think she's going to talk now. <laughs> with that annoying little dopey kid that's like clearly in love with uh, with Jamie. and you know, there, There's some weird choices. And then you've got Jamie's sister, who was great. I can't... Oh, that's Ellie Cornell. Ellie Cornell. She was great in uh, Halloween 4. She was a great kind of pseudo um laurie strode type character Mm. like your final girl Mm. she gets done dirty in this um she kind of came across a little bit bit more bitchy which just didn't seem like her character Mm. she had to veto her death scene because i think originally she was going to get the knife or a phone put down her throat which probably at that time graphically would probably wouldn't have looked very good anyway and also it's just a bit it's a bit grotesque for a character that you've rooted for for an entire film to then have that sort of yeah. death. Yeah, I think I can't remember what it was, but it's like a fallout or something with the producers or the studio. Like, I can't remember what it was, but yeah, she didn't last long in the no. fifth one. So I think she was one of the earliest, uh, the earliest kills. Um, and also talking about the opening, this is where they were clearly they wanted to dally with the idea of supernatural so they filmed a bunch of stuff the, the original opening it wasn't a hermit it was like a satanist or something or a, mm. an occultist um which they then thought oh okay instead of going down this route we'll just have some random guy that lives in a shack outside town i don't know what's more normal what's more <laughs> realistic an occultist because of the route they went down but i guess i don't know i'm not going to try and not going to try and put too much logic behind it. <laughs> I do think this has some good kills. Um, I mean, the scene where Michael's got that big farming scythe. Yeah, that's cool. That's very cool. Um, I hated Tina. 
And I think part replacing Ellie Cornell's character or, you know, um, kind of role almost uh, with, with this Tina role, I don't know, I thought Tina was a bit of a dick. I agree. Yeah. I, didn't, I, I could not warm to her. You, you had a couple of policemen as well who basically seemed like... Uh, I only watched it again recently, I've not seen it for a very long time, but they kind of seemed like a version of uh, Martin Cove's character and this other guy from uh, Last House on the Left. Mm. I mean, there's one point, one thing having kind of comic relief characters in a horror, it's not, not the worst thing. Sometimes it's good to alleviate the scares with some humour. But the fact they had dopey music every time they were on screen, it was just like... What, is this a serious film or not? I mean, it's, it's Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers. I don't think you can look too much into it, but what, what do you reckon score-wise? Score-wise, I don't think it's... Re- uh, it's one or two, isn't it? And I don't know which one. It sits more... I think... I think one. Really? Yeah, I think one. There's it, just too many. I can't watch it again because I, I don't know for why. Like I said about the the, the candles and, the, and this that and the other. I picked too much, out of it. Like I just picked too many thoughts with it. Um, so you don't think hang on. So what ones? On a, on well, hang on. So let me look at them. All right, let's put it two. Let's put it two. I think two actually because I'm just looking at the other ones in the <laughs> franchise that will be in number one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's not it's not great. Um, I think push it back a year or two and really kind of think about the the script. But I mean, this is an era where it's all about making money, and uh, you know, fourth one was a kind of an unexpected success. You know, where it showed the studio how much people like Michael Myers, and so they kind of rushed it out and done some characters dirty, made some stylistic and creative uh, wrong missteps. Yeah, it, it's it's got some entertainment value, I I do think, but it's definitely one of my least watched uh, entries in mm. the series. Now, for one that for some reason I actually really like, but <laughs> I think it is a bad film, both versions of it, <laughs> but I do quite like it. Um, curse. Yeah, the Curse of Michael Myers. Now, there's a bit of a gap here. Six years later, 1995... Uh, directed by Joe Chappelle, screenwriter was Daniel Farads, and uh, no the... relation to Dave. No, no relation to Dave, and uh, the producer for this and the next two films uh, was Paul Freeman, who also produced uh, the fourth one, but not the fifth. What the hell's going on in my hallway? Um, this is a this is a film. This Which version? <laughs> so this 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 Which version should we talk about first? I mean, to be honest, the the producer's cut, the producer's. Well, I want to say the producer's cut isn't canon, but technically now in the current era, none of it's canon. No, um, true, true. Producer's cut, I think, is is interesting, but I don't necessarily think it's better. Um, there's a couple of moments. I don't know. Um, the the whole almost D and D dice that. Paul Rudd's character uses to stop Michael short. That was stupid. The strong implication that Michael had impregnated his niece because it's 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 ambiguous in the theatrical. But I mean, if you see the producer's cut, it's pretty clear that he's climbing on top of at no more than sixteen year old niece 
Jamie Lloyd, it's problematic. Yeah. Um, so I think let's just focus on the theatrical one. Um, let's give a shout out to Paul Rudd. Because I think from 1995 <laughs> to 2022, the year we're in now, the guy has not aged hardly anything. No, he's made a deal with the devil. <laughs> Definitely. And he just seems to be in everything. Yeah. Um, brilliant in the new Ghostbusters film as well, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, the theatrical... I remember I, I, I saw, like everyone, I think I saw, you know, I saw the theatrical version first, and I think I must have got like a VHS of the cut of the of the producer cut because um, the quality. I just remember the quality being the quality of the film, not the quality of the story. Um, the the actual picture itself was was a bit shoddy in places um, when they tried to splice it all in. And yeah. um, again, I thought for me, they seem to have spent longer on the story of it. Reintroducing some characters from the from the first one in, in, for Tommy, um, with Paul Rudd playing Tommy. But one that I I like if I turn my head off and just watch it, and I'm like, okay, it's, it's you know, it, it's got some very good kills in it. Um, it's a bit more explained about the you know, like you said, the curse of Thorn. But then I put the other part of me is is. I don't want it to be explained. Why did I feel the need to explain explain all this? And that, for me, when I think of number six, and then I go back to number one, the contrast in the two films are night and day. Like the, the I don't know. It doesn't seem like it's attached to the first film because the first one is just in its own world. Um, it seems very dis, uh, very very de detached. Sorry. Um. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's it's one that I don't actually really have. I don't think it's amazing. I don't think it's awful. It's it floats in between that ether of it's alright. Oh, it's a bit naff. Oh, it's alright. Like, do you know what I mean? I think it's a good popcorn film. Um, it's 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 dated in the style of it's come out in the mid nineties and it's got that almost early MTV dimension film sheen of the transitions kind of being a bit like psh, 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 which just automatically make, thinks, makes me think of that sort of time period uh, we don't have Danielle Harris back there was disputes on uh, on salary and they kind of did her dirty a bit not just the character but her personally mm. um, they didn't want to bring her back because she was still in the age range of a child and when you hire children, there's it's quite expensive for a production studio because you have to limit the working hours because you obviously can't, you know, it would be classed as child labour to have someone on set young for a long day. And so they'd kind of said that we can entertain this idea of bringing you back, but you have to kind of emancipate yourself from your parents, which is kind of like a divorce yourself from your parents. So you're then an adult. Did she spend like $4,000 or something doing that? She she, she, went, she she did it, didn't she? Yeah, she did it. Um, and the I think the salary that they were then offering wouldn't even have covered the costs that she'd incurred for that. Mm. Um, so she was recast by J.C. Brandy. And because of the, the role that the character plays in this film, and I think regardless of who was playing the role, they were probably still going to do the same thing, it's probably not as bad to have a different actress playing Jamie Lloyd if they're going to 
you know, her her role is to basically have this child and die escaping. Uh, it's probably less painful it being a different uh, a different actress because she's had quite an iconic role in the uh, the prior two films. Kills are decent. Michael from memory looks pretty chonky in this. Uh, he's been he's been eaten at the facility, but his mask's decent. I no, like the, the mask. mask is pretty good. It's one of yeah. the better ones from the from the first one, I think. It's it's good, and I mean you've got Loomis. This was his last film. Don Pleasant's last film. Uh, I think he's quite limited to the the time that he could spend on set. I don't know entire things about his the health conditions at the time, but he was quite a elderly gentleman at that stage. Um, he'd been around for a while. Um, it's it's entertaining, but it is also. It is also stupid. <laughs> it's goofy as hell. Man. I mean, you've got this. They start introducing this wider cult. Now, I, I liked, like you say, the bringing in the other characters. I think the new family um, were quite interesting. The one now mm. living at the uh, Strode household with the dickhead dad, the daughter who has a son, and the son potentially, potentially is going down that maybe murder type route. They sort of hinted it, but then it never really goes any further. Mm. There's some good kills, but then <laughs> you you because it's such an amalgamated uh, script, you get this one scene where Michael goes buck wild killing a bunch of random scientists in the research facility. He just absolutely loses it. You then get this one room where there's like embryos in cases. Like what what, what, are, we, what are they doing here? What <laughs> doesn't get explained. Michael gets injected with a whole bunch of uh, syringes to try and subdue him in this fight with Tommy makes sense you know use what you've got available because this guy is clearly we now know he's powered by this thorn tattoo that he has and but then when he gets his brains bashed in the fluid then starts leaking out and i'm like well that's not how bodies work <laughs> um what are you thinking score wise i find this entertaining but it is stupid it's got to be in the two i think it's two yeah, I, I'll I'll go along with that. I mean, I find it fun, but I mean, if you look at the if you just look at the story on the page, it's like, what is this? Well, do you know, and the, the thing that always used to bother me was, and I really noticed it in this one was the 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 Michael's house or what was it, Michael's childhood house looks nothing like Michael's childhood's house. It's I, I get the you know maybe you can't film down the same street. But it doesn't even look remotely close to being it. Whereas, like, you know, Michael's house was the classic uh, box-type yeah. house. Um, whereas in this one, it looks really fancy. It's got all this pole, blah, blah, blah. It's like... right me, man. Like, I'm sure I, heard, I read something, I heard something that someone had bought the house, but in typical, not to say typical American fashion, um, but they kind of just up sticks up the house... And moved it away, and I think this, like financially, it just didn't make sense for them to try and bring the house back. Uh, well, they probably could have done, but I just didn't want to. Um, and this, yeah, this film bombed. It did bomb, and this caused a bit of a gap in um, in the series. Until Jamie Lee decided it's time to come back. Yes, three years later, and fuck all the other films <laughs> after two. <laughs> Three years later and uh, 20 years later, uh, we have 1998's Halloween, H2O, 20 years later. I always thought 
why not just call it Halloween 20 years later? <laughs> H2O is the um, the thing for water, isn't it? It's, chemist, it's a, a periodic table of the whatever it's called, the, of water in it. Yeah. I mean, the thing... Or, or, or call it H2O Halloween 20 years later. But Halloween H2O 20 years later has always seemed like a dumb title. <laughs> Um, but it's 1998. It's American slasher film. And it is very, is very much a, a, a 90s slasher film. Directed by Steve Miner. It uh, stars Jamie Lee Curtis returning as um, Laurie Strode. Uh, Adam Arkin, Michelle Williams and Josh Hartnett. Seventh installment in the franchise. Um, and it was... Uh, the, yeah, the story had Kevin Williamson um, worked on the story of... I mean, he's done loads of stuff, but let's say Scream. Worked with uh, on the Scream franchise with the late Wes Craven. I mean, let's just get into it. What are your thoughts on H2O? How do you see this one? First Halloween film I saw in the cinema. Ooh. I I like it, and I still like it. It's one of the few I still like. There's the, forgetting the mask and the variations of the mask in the film. The story itself is very interesting. It's real For me, I think it's a real big shame that... Um, I think Deborah Hill's still alive at this point. Um, but it's a shame that her and... and Johnny C didn't come back and contribute really to it, um, but I liked it. Um, in, again, interesting of the, you know, twenty years later, how does that affect someone? Oh, she she's a teacher now. She's got a son. She she's in this very closed off world um, that she's created for herself. Great cameo from her mum as well with the yeah. the car from Psycho. Um, music as well. And then the music. Uh, and that, for me, is just pure gold. Um, I liked it. I, I thought it was really cool. It wasn't my... I mean, we, you and I, of the age we remember, 98, 99, you know, the whole sort of... I call it the... You know, when American Pie was about to come out and all of that, that whole era and you know you had all the all it, that's what h2o reminds me of is just that point in time as well it's like a bookmark um of yeah um that called like late 90s early 2000s um catch down i love the car that michael drove in it as well that's yeah. the creepiest ass car i've seen i think in in anything it's really Really, really cool, and very young Michelle Williams in it. Yeah. Um, you know who knew watching that back then what, how good an actress she was going to become. And Joss Hartnett, he's brilliant actor. I don't know. Um, well, I think he went away from Hollywood for a bit and come back and did some indie stuff. But okay, just a very talented and uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt. Well, he doesn't last very long in it. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I liked it. I thought it was really good. Sorry for, and I don't know if it's nostalgia, but it might be a bit of nostalgia. But I thought it was great. And the, 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 the you know, you see Michael come down from the ceiling, like one arm, it's mm-hmm. like man's been working out. Um, <laughs> and I remember at the time, obviously, watching it at the cinema, head off. I'm like, that's kind of a good way to close off the franchise. It's a good ending for Laurie. What else could you do for Michael? <laughs> um, yeah, I liked it. Good one. Yeah, I um, this is the probably the second Halloween film that I saw. Um, like, I think I rented it on VHS. Um, I think Shown our age, probably. <laughs> I think it's a it's a decent slasher. Um, it's quite short in terms of run length, but I think that's fine. It, it's got quite a good pace to it. 
Um, as we mentioned, they had some weird choices with the masks because he's got like four and one of them CGI. I mm. really don't understand. I don't think I'll ever understand that. They made the decision to, uh, for the first time um, in the series, retcon uh, the previous sequels from part two, so after part two, uh, keeping the dynamic that they are a brother and sister, which is fine, whatever. Um, Originally, they were going to have some mention of Jamie Lloyd uh, passing um, in some way, but in terms of someone in class or a news report mentioning the death of a... You know, in Haddonfield, a girl called Jamie Lloyd, which was going to show Jamie Lee Curtis kind of having a moment of a bit of pain. But then, by doing that, you almost one have to kind of acknowledge the whole Thorn um, storyline, which yeah. is kind of problematic in terms of it's just a bit convoluted. And when you've got when you're trying to do a big sequel, bringing back members of the original cast. It can't, it's quite dangerous to then go, okay, we're going to have to assume that the general populace, the people we want to get butts in seats in cinema, have seen six films previously. The first one everyone's going to have seen is the most famous, but you're relying on people having seen two, four, five, six. Mm. So I, I, I do understand that. I think it's quite a cool dynamic that she's got with her son in this, uh, in this film, Josh Hartnett's character. And... Whilst I think the other film that we'll talk about a bit later on is a better film, I do think, and this actually came up um, in the chat that I had uh, with Reanimator, when we were looking at the Texas Chainsaw series, I do think that this is a better version of Laurie when it comes to post-traumatic stress than the Sarah Connard Laurie we get in 2018. I do think 2018 is a better film, but... I quite like that this is, you know, she's, I guess it makes sense because of the family dynamic, but she's trying to move on. She's created a new identity, almost gone into hiding. Um, but even even with that, it's, it's a tough sell, I guess, when you do this retcon route, because as far as we're concerned, the end of Halloween 2... There's a big explosion. Michael and uh, and Loomis initially look like they've perished. We know from the opening of H2O, ignoring four onwards, that uh, Donald Loomis's character, Loomis, didn't perish because he still worked on his notes and you get a bit of a, uh, a voice-like voiceover, which is really cool. It is a great opening, um, opening credits. But you then have to try and explain, and they don't, although they're trying the next film, which is god-awful. Um, where's Michael been for 20 years? Yeah. And I think without having a scenario of him being caught, like from the first film, how do you explain where he's gone, Yeah. what he's been doing, and why now? Um, they say at the start he, he breaks in, he finds uh, Loomis's notes from um, Nurse... Nurse Marion, is it? Yeah. His nurse, um, who became Loomis's nurse, and this obviously in the first film. That's how he finds out. Okay, Laurie has this new identity. It's all it's all said in the voiceover, but there's still nothing to suggest. Well, why now? Why twenty years later does Michael suddenly come out of hiding? It's not a negative at all, but I think when you try and go down this route, holes can quickly emerge. They're not the be all end all. But I think 
I don't know. I don't know how they could have got around that other than maybe going down the start of the Halloween route by having Michael in some form of coma, maybe. Something to explain why he's not present. Because otherwise, that that always just sat a bit weird with me. But it's a good, good film. Um, the ending was really cool. Funny thing with the next film, which we, we'll, we'll score this one in a moment, but with the next film... I always thought it was quite corny, the route that they went down at the start of the next film explaining the ending mm-hmm. of H2O. But that was always the plan, which I thought was... <laughs> <laughs> that um, part of uh, part of Laurie signing on, because um, I think they were discussing doing a sequel whilst making this one, was that she wanted to have that trauma of she thinks she's killed... Michael, but she hasn't. She's killed an innocent person. Uh, I don't know. I th- I just think it, we'll look at this on its own. I think it has a great ending, but then continuing it the way they did was kind of crap. So let's round this off. H two O. Let's move on from this. What do you think score wise for this one? For me, ignoring masks because that that does really get on my nerves for watching it. But the story itself, the continuation. The, the notes at the start, the feel that it does feel like a follow-up from two. For me, four. I think it sits right up there with Revenge, for me. Okay, I will go with that. I'm feeling more of three, but I I will go with four. You think four, you think Revenge, uh, Return, sorry, Return, not Revenge. Re- re- you think Return is better than H2A? Yes. Okay. Okay. Cool. Ah, don't. Hey, man. But you know, we'll go with we'll go with four. We will go with four. Um, this now takes us on to. It's one of the worst. It's probably one of the worst films in the franchise. Um, I even think Rob Zombie ones are better. What can you say? The uh, second Halloween film I saw in a cinema, <laughs> I asked for my money back. <laughs> <laughs> 2002, four years later, uh, Rick Rosenthal directed, uh, screenwriters Larry Brand and Sean Hood produced again by Paul Freeman. So getting the director from the, the second Halloween mm. film back, you know, of Ricky Poos. Halloween <laughs> Resurrection. Um, it's just crap, isn't it? But it's it, funny enough, it's progressively got worse as time's gone on. Whereas some of them, as time's gone on, they've got kind of you know, you look back and think, oh, actually, they're a bit better than I remember. Um, yes, yeah, it's, it's the worst one for me. The worst one in the whole franchise, including the remakes, the reboots, the whatevers. It's... And the, I get what they were trying to do. A hundred percent get it that, you know, the, the, the how long can you carry the Laurie story on for? Like, you, you, you're going to do 20 movies with Laurie in a, like, how how can this back and forth between her and Michael go? How long can that go on for? I get it. Buster Rhymes is one of the the, the coolest people in, in, in 2002. Um, so let's, let's bring it to a new audience. I get it. You want a new audience. You want the franchise that... But it was just shit. <laughs> it was 
Shit. I'm, I'm going to jump the gun here. Just put it straight in there. There you go. <laughs> I don't even want to try and dissect the story. I mean, you've you've got, as I mentioned a moment ago, H2O, she, uh, she cuts off uh, Michael's head with an axe. Turns out that actually... Michael, I guess, I guess must have known that he's losing the fight. So rather than continue, he crushes a guy's larynx and changes costumes with him. Um, and then that guy is in the back of this uh, this ambulance. It's a paramedic which, or it's something. Paramedic, yeah. yeah. And um, uh, Laurie steals it because she's like, no, this has to end. Can't have this going on. Chops his head off. Turns out it's not Michael. It's this innocent guy. So she's then in the psychiatric clinic. Michael busts in a year later because he he has to wait a year, um, and uh, they have a little tussle. She almost outwits him, but realizes actually no, stabs her. She then kisses him. I know it's his mask, but what's what's the point of that? And dies. So Laurie's killed off, and then they explain Michael's been living in the sewers for twenty odd years, eating rats, and. A bunch of uh, it's not even YouTubers because YouTube wasn't a thing at no, that wasn't point. Wasn't a thing back then. Like a reality webcam series, they're gonna do, you know, a uh, reality show based in the Myers house. He goes around killing them, and then there's a bit when someone is pretending to be Michael and they bump into each other. And it's Buster Arms. It's just this shit, and then Kung Fu Buster Arms kills Michael Myers. Who then at the end, oh, he's still alive. Like, it's, it's, it's and why? Well, one of my biggest scribes, which you know, people might think I'm mental. Why the fuck has he got spiky hair in this one? Yeah, that was like, weird. He's busted through. The mask itself was actually a cool looking mask. It doesn't. It's near the original in terms of look. Though they actually coloured in the eyebrows. But his hair was spiky. Well, I think is he going to fucking gel his hair or something? Yeah, he's like, Gone out and picked up some gel. Like, he, like, he likes candles, doesn't he? You know, we got that from Halloween 5. He likes he likes a candle bit dinner. And then he gels his hair now. It's, yeah, it's absolute crap. I don't talk about it anymore. No. <laughs> so we're now going to move on um, to... This is a... F- oh, man. Okay, so 2007. One of my... I still do like his music, but at that time I was big into my Rob Zombie... I'd seen House of a Thousand Corpses, thought that was great, mm. quite quite an assault on the senses, and then he kind of refined his style with um, the uh, Devil's, Devil's Rejects. Rejects, great film. Uh, we got uh, Rob Zombie coming on board to do Halloween, which was a remake, reboot of the franchise, remaking the original but with his own spin. Now, I'll just say I'll just say a couple of things first with this film. One, this film made me realise that I don't actually think Malcolm McDowell is that good an actor. Not just because his portrayal of Loomis, which I guess is how Luke, the character is written, but I, I don't, I don't think I've actually seen him in anything. Even Clockwork Orange, I don't think he's great in my opinion. Come at me in the comments when this one airs. Uh, but his Loomis is crap. Um, there's a weird juxtaposition for me on this one in that I don't like the dialogue that Rob Zombie writes for his characters. He doesn't ever seem to write protagonists that you can get behind because everyone just seems to be grimy. And I'm not a prude. We swear on this show. But does every word have to be fucking? Or 
the sea bomb you know it's just everything's everything just is kind of just dirty and but the juxtaposition is i do think the first half of his film is stronger than the second half which is where it kind of adapts it does his version pretty much similar to the, to the original it's a weird one I really loved it when I first watched it, but it was kind of in the same way that the first time I heard Scent Anger, I thought I loved it because it was <laughs> new Metallica and they'd gone heavy again. But when I then go back to that well... Yeah. What do you think? What do you think my, about Halloween? My opinion is very similar to yours. I think... Um, I, I, I'll give a bit of a pass on this one to, to Rob because I, I, I like the guy, brilliant musician... As an artist, he's, he's, I don't have anything bad to say about him. As a person, I think he's great. Um, I know the studio weighed in heavily on this one. And whilst his name is above the title, I don't know why, because it seems in the interviews he's given on, on like Joe Rogan and all this, he, he was very tied down. Um, is an interesting take on the first one to try and explain what contributes someone to become a, a killer, a, a serial killer. Um, but like, yeah, I didn't like the dialogue, like the stepdad guy, like, you know, just being a bit of a perv, a bit of a lech on, on the younger one and uh, the younger daughter, Judith. Um, I'll crawl over there and skull fuck the shit out of you, he says at one point. Yeah. Um, the guy, the actor, I can't remember his name, escapes me for now, but that's an actor, he's fucking William something, I'm sure it is, but... Jim William Mosley? Oh, I can't remember his name now. Fucking brilliant actor, but my God, like, yeah. And then, you know, obviously his wife has got to be in every film, why not? She's nice to look at, so you don't mind too much, but... Um, yeah, you just sort of like, would a mum really put up with her children being in that environment? Like... She she's a, she's a stripper and stuff like that. So, like, why did why does she have to be? It just seems for me that it's like right. You've got an abusive sort of stepdad dad type character. I think it's a stepdad now. I can't remember before, but then the mum's a stripper and the the the, the her, her daughter's a little bit slutty and a little bit. I'm just like, why does it need all of that? It doesn't need all of that, and and you know. Yeah, it, it just tries to explain the origins of Michael turning how he does a bit too much for my liking. I liked it the first time I watched it, but then you know, and then you got the rape scene in there, which for me I'm like, do do I need? Does that need to be in the movie? Like certain things, it, I'm not against them scenes. I'm not for them either. But if it serves the story, then it should be in. I don't think that served the story. It just seemed like. You know, you can just as easily have the guy walk in and, you know, play with Michael's mask, which, you know, he does it and he's like, no, 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 and Michael's like, no. And then all of a sudden, Michael's like eight foot tall, six foot wide. Um, they just took it in a weird direction, man. And for me, I liked it the first time I watched it, as you said. Um, I, I can't watch it again. Now, I... It's one of those films that I have moments where I think... I might give that a watch, I might give that a watch. But whenever I have, I don't know, I just don't stick with it. And I haven't watched it in quite a long time. Um, 
My opinion of Rob Zombie's filmmaking is I think I think he's a great director. He does he gets some excellent shots, but I just I don't I don't know if I think he's a good writer. Certainly his dialogue. I don't like his dialogue. Mm. Um so I think it would be great for him to team up or adapt someone's script. Yeah. Do that. Like he has his own unique style, which is, you know, it's, it's cool. It's very much him. You know, you're watching a Rob Zombie film, but I think at the same point that's a bit of a detriment. There's some cool moments in this. Um, yeah, I agree with you, Dean. That I I preferred. There's a whole argument when it comes to killers of nature versus nurture. There is no definitive. Oh well, it's obviously the upbringing, or mm. oh, people are obviously some people are just born bad. We've now kind of got two sides of the spectrum. The first film, you have to assume. That he well, he is just pure evil. He's just you know, just just evil incarnate essentially, because he does such a heinous thing at a young age. Whereas in this film, it's very much more implied that he is a product of his circumstances, his mm. awful upbringing, and he just he he kind of snaps. Um, By the way, I'm not looking at my my area. I have a dog in between my legs. <laughs> That probably looks weird. And I don't think anyone would notice until you drew attention to it. Until I kept looking down. <laughs> I'm not beating one off, don't worry. Okay, cut that. <laughs> um, so, um, there's there's good moments. And I, I like the way that they ended the film. Like I say, I kind of prefer the first half before we get to the Laurie story because Scout Taylor Compton is a good actress, but I don't think. She's just so different to our Laurie from before. You know, sweet and innocent. I know this is his own version, his own mm. take on it, but that's fine. Do your own thing. The original Laurie is better. Um, but I, I did like the ending with the gunshot. I think that was quite. I think that was quite good. That's quite a good way to end it. Before they didn't end it that way. But then at the same point, Michael. He's now this hulking beast that it smashes through everything and does everything with his bare hands. It's just that's not my Michael. Yeah. Uh, I don't really think there's much more I can say about Halloween, Rob Zombie's Halloween. Uh, what do you reckon? Uh, score out of five. Two. Yeah, it's got some good shots in it. Mm. He's tried something different. Um, for, for, and I agree, like for me, uh, Malcolm McDowell in this, it was the first time, and I don't think it's because I've got a lot of orange in this, that, and you kind of think, oh, he's this really iconic English actor, he's brilliant, he's brilliant. Actually, I thought, he's a nice fucking twerp. Mm. But he's, his acting seemed really cardboard, and like, but not just cardboard, but slightly over the top as well, and he, he almost ruins a good chunk of it for me um with the just overacting of it and yeah so two for me yeah this brings us on to the uh the companion piece to this film which is uh the the sequel originally i don't think rob zombie was due to return for the sequel i think it was going to be two french directors uh, but for whatever reason, their ideas didn't meet with the studio, so uh, Rob was um, was convinced to return. Halloween, his his Halloween had been a huge success, but we have 2009's Halloween Two. Now, 
as you know, Dean, the first time I saw this film, I fucking hated it. Uh, and I, I'm, I don't often stop a film. I am quite open-minded, mm. I think. But this one, you had the opening, which was kind of like a. It made it was to make it's kind of like a red herring. It was to make you think that this was an adaptation of Halloween two, set in the hospital. But it was so over the top with the violence that I was like, oh man, this is... Michael's not this out-and-out rampaging beast. And then it turned out that was a dream, and I fucking hate dream sequences unless it's like Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, but watching it again a few years, a few years back now, um, I can respect it. I think he's done his own... He's definitely gone to the studio if I'm coming back I'm doing what I want to do and it's yeah. a very out there film and his I want to give a shout out actually to the kid in first Rob Zombie had a, the, that guy that blonde kid was creepy as fuck and Dave for Dave search or something yeah what he did a phenomenal well, we said what we said about the film but him I thought he was brilliant in it they had a different kid back in this one, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, that's why I mentioned it, because the kid in this one was sort of like a lot more, of, if you will, a classic-looking normal kid, whereas yeah. the, 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 the first one, he, you know, you, you looked at him and thought, hey, up. <laughs> so, so it might be up here. Um, yeah, no, I, I think this is very much the Rob Zombie Halloween film. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure, like you said, he must have gone to the studio and said, that if I'm coming back, if you want me back, I'm doing it my way. It's crazy as hell, the whole thing with the white horse, obviously. Mm. The mum coming back and she's kind of direction guided him. I, I, I kind of thought that was pretty cool. And I think I thought it was cool because I detached myself. I didn't have any association watching this thinking of John Carpenter's yeah. Halloween. Because for me, obviously, it doesn't stand anywhere near close to being as good. But... It's all right. Yeah, I mean, Laurie, as much as Laurie's a dick in this film, it's understandable because she's had such a traumatic event happen to her. Mm. Um, like, you know, her her parents get butchered in uh, in the first film. We didn't mention Danielle Harris returns um, is the role of Annie Brackett. Mm. Um, again, you know, showing what a great, uh, great actress she is. Uh, she's back in this one meets quite a traumatic end we talked earlier about Brad Dourif, um the voice of Chucky he is Sheriff Brackett in these two films so they have some great acting um, actors in, in the films and uh, I guess on re-evaluation I maybe prefer this it, I still don't ever really think I'm going to watch one of the Rob Zombie films but maybe I prefer this on retrospect to the first Rob Zombie um, because it is very much its own film. It's very violent. Mm. Um, but it stands on the guy's skull, doesn't it? It stands on the guy's skull that... outside the uh, red, whatever it is, lounge, the strip yeah. club. Yeah. Um, at first, I didn't really like what they kind of did with the mask, but at the same point, again, it's kind of brave. You know, he's not always... This mask had aged a lot between the start of the first film and the second half, which makes sense, although the aging was always, you know very deliberate if that makes sense like mm. the lines have got a little bit too clean but in this one it's now falling apart off his face um he's like a hobo drifter killer machine um but yeah it's 
It's its own film. Someone hasn't done it. They should cut the... Do you remember the Littlest Hobo? The, the oh. With Michael walking across that, across that field. There's a voice. Keep on going. fucking brilliant. Um, I, I, I quite like this one. It's a separate thing. I mean, I, it, once I get past the whole, I'm pretty sure at the end of the first Rob Zombie one, Loomis gets his eyes caved in and Michael gets shot in the head. Mm. They don't explain that in this one. So I think with the... I don't know if there were two different versions. I think with the the Loomis... I think Loomis in the director's cut, it's his eyes or it's implied to be his eyes. It very much looks like his eyes. It's not not like an eye gouging in a later film coming up. Um, it, It appears that way, but I think in the theatrical... It was more hands on the side of the head with like a kind of crushing sound. It was more like a skull crush, which still, the sounds make it sound like that skull is crushing. I'm not not sure you're going to just be all right about that. Walk it off, Loomis. Yeah, but Loomis is, he is terrible in this film, even more so than the first, because they kind of play into the fact that he's now been a bit self-serving and uh, self-centered, he's selling the story. Um, he published that Laurie was Michael's sister, which Mike, Laurie didn't know in the first film. So she's then fi- she's already in a traumatic place and is then finding out through the news that this doctor who s- sort of saved her but didn't really because she ended up saving herself um, has revealed that that's actually your uh, your brother. So that's also going to play into her mental state, which is good for her character, but also shows how much of a dick Loomis is. What do you think? Out of five, Halloween 2. It's got to be two or three, isn't it? I don't know which one I'm leaning towards, because I think it's slightly better than the first one. Let's go three. You can always put it higher than that one in two. Yeah, all right, let's do that. Let's do that. Yeah. Yeah, because it's not as good as... It's not as good as... No, it's not. It's not. Again, I I think... What would have been better for me is if they didn't have Loomis' character in it all, and Mm. they just called him... If you're going to be that far away from what the original character is, get what they did with Laurie, I don't really have any gripe with that. But if you're going to take a beloved... you kind of got... It's two things, isn't it? Because you've got Donald Pleasance, who was beloved by everyone, you know, global treasure. Mm. You, you, then you got the character he played in it, Loomis. He's the one. He's the one. You know, we kind of appearing over the shoulder throughout the the the, the films. Yeah. Um. You know, he was our go-to person. He was the one that kept, other than Michael. Arguably, he's he, he was a bigger draw than than um, Jamie Lee Curtis' character, Laurie. Um. I. To make him into such a fucking dickhead <laughs> in them two films, I think it's just. Wrong. They yeah. should have just called him something like, like Doctor Knob Jockey or something. Like, just, it, yeah, it's it's almost like blasphemy. Yeah, don't care for not, it. Not a good creative choice there. No, sorry, that's a bit. I've got, got fired up there. <laughs> so we jump ahead now to um, twenty eighteen. So nine years later, uh, David Gordon Green. Um, is announced to be making a trilogy, which... So I, I do like, to varying degrees, these the two of the three films that have been released 
which we'll get into in a second. But I always get a bit apprehensive, and it seems to be a very common thing these days when a film can't just come out. It has to be that, oh, this is part of a trilogy. Like, okay, great. I mean, on one hand, it means that technically you're hoping that they've already got a story in place. So in theory, there should be the time and the, you know, the due diligence to make them a good, concise, each film being its own film, but part of a bigger narrative. But then, what if one of those films isn't a success and the studio goes, nah, we're not greenlighting it. You've then got a film that probably doesn't have a definitive ending that won't get resolved, or you run the risk of a number of these sequels where the story gets a bit more convoluted and convoluted. But, 2018, David Goddard Green, and... Uh... See, I'll join you on that, because I, I, I think the same, but a slightly different reason. Like When we went to watch um, Infinity War and Endgame, I, I, we come out of Infinity War with um, with Ash, and I just and I, I remember you guys saying, "Oh yeah, it's good," and I was, I thought it was a good film, but it was pointless because I knew Endgame was coming out. Yeah. So, despite all them people going off, and a bit similar to this, once you know there's three films, you watch the first one, and you kind of like, it's very unlikely they're going to kill off Laurie. Yeah, they might kill her off in the second one. We don't know, but. So how much danger are the, like how much am I going to be invested watching this because no. I noticed two other films after this so uh, it's, it, I just find that, that I agree with you like it's, don't tell keep it amongst the studio yeah. people they, they, they can know don't tell me though don't just, tell me yeah do it when the film's ready or when the film's coming out announce it then don't announce it ahead mm. uh, but we have Halloween which. Title-wise, I discussed with Reanimator when talking about the new Texas Chainsaw Massacre film. Why does it have to have the same title as the film that is a sequel to? It's just confusing. I mean, it's not confusing to horror fans who do the research, but if you're Joe Public and you're going, oh, new Halloween film's coming out. That's called Halloween. I'd assume it's a remake. Have because it's got Halloween? the same title. Yeah. Which one? Yeah. What? We're now in a position where we have three films three. called Halloween. Um, but this is uh, 2018. Um, you know, I, I mean, before we kind of go into the story, Dean, what do you think about 2018 Halloween? Well, when we went and saw it together, I like it. I thought I was very apprehensive, and I think I may have mentioned to you before when we were going to watch it, like 40 years <laughs> 40 years is a long time. Um, you know, Michael will be in his presumably 60s. Um, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis, bless her, fantastic actress, but she ain't getting any younger. Is it a bunch of geriatric people going to be running around? Uh, I liked it, though, but it, it came across really well. Very nostalgic. Um, you know, Nick Castle returned for a couple of scenes to play the shape. Um, you know, so people like us love that shit. Um, mm. I liked it. I thought it was a good story. Um, brilliant. And, and again, you know, like they trapped him at the end. So you did kind of think that the and there's suspense, suspense in this one. And I think uh, you know, Rob Zombie ones never had suspense because it was just mindless kidding. Um, I think a few of the, the sequels before, you know, like Curse, Revenge and um, uh, Return lacked a bit on the suspense, whereas um, 
and Spencer was part all part of it. You know, he could be anywhere, and he mm. could in this he could be anywhere. And that fantastic shot that was shot in one take um, of, of him going in the houses and all that that was fun. I mean, watch when we saw that, like you know, those fucking pricks in the cinema yeah. at the time. Um, shut the fuck up. Yeah, I remember thinking, wow, that is some shot. That to get that and the choreography that got up blows my mind. Actually, a bit of cinema magic. It's made to look like it's one take, but. Well, like the first one when yeah. he blinks, but it's a cut, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, no, he puts the mask on, doesn't it? But as it gets there, that's the cut. That's the cut, yeah. Um, so I'm told. Spoiler. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like brilliant. I just thought it was really, it was a good continuation. You know, Laurie had gone batshit crazy. Um, she was preparing for this, she knew it. She was like, He's coming back, I know he's coming back. You know, she's got a daughter and a granddaughter that have sort of disowned her. Um, the only thing for me was you know, H2O still looms in my head. I think, Well, you had a son there, mm. and you're discounting. You came back to do the, the 20th anniversary, but you're kind of just getting rid of the 20th an- anniversary. But the same actress is in this one. Yeah, we should say this is a, another new timeline where the second film, Halloween 2, is ignored. So they've mm. done away with the uh, the narrative of them being siblings, which, again, is fine. I get it. It, it frees up the story to... You don't have to have that tide thing of oh he came he came after her because they're siblings and they even sort of joke about it in a bit of throwaway dialogue. It's fine. I mean, I like it's not one of those things where I was never that fussed about the revelation that they're brother and sister, mm. um, and I didn't really it did, it was not a big deal for me that they now no longer were siblings. Um, I thought the English uh, podcaster people, um, I thought they were kind they they were very well acted because the guy was borderline annoying and he was obviously supposed to be because you know it's british it's british (laughs) um uh yeah i think overall the 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 it goes back it just went back to basics had suspense there's a bit of gore in there and all that i think from memory um oh yeah he turns someone's uh Skin from their face mm. uh, into a jack o' lantern. Yeah, yeah, that's um... the teeth over the door. It's yeah. This, this for me was uh, the right level of Michael Myers violence. Mm. He had some tableaus, although I think they did that a bit more in the following film. Um, so there's distracting noise in my hallway. Um, he, he was violent but he still also stalked from the shadows and that's something that i think does get lost in in the next one but it's a decent film um like i said i kind of preferred the representation of laurie after the first film in h2o that just made a little bit more sense to me than her being full-on cuckoo for 40 years like sarah connard um makes sense for sarah connor because it's like the end of the world this is uh, someone killed a couple of your friends and almost killed you. That'd be traumatic, but it's got to be a point where you get. Well, that is the other bit I liked about it, and I didn't realise really going into it. Obviously, they. they it's not really. <laughs> it just shows how much the world has changed. 
if Halloween 1978 one was real, they only killed six people in it. Like, it's not... Mm. It's not that horrendous. Like, obviously, it's bad. Don't get me wrong. I feel like haters in the comments. But um, by today's levels, it's not really anything to write home about, is it? It's not... Mm. It's bad, but there's been worse. You know, you've got, like, I suppose, you know, like Ted Bundy's and all that of the world. Yeah. <laughs> Jeffrey Dahmer's and that. that done way worse than what Michael Myers did. <laughs> um, and I love that they touch on that, though. But they're like... It's still part of history, still part of this, and you know, the iconic mask and that. And, um, yeah, but I do have gripes with it. Like, for me, the doctor in this, he just pissed me off. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, there's things that I liked, like, I like the kind of little kind of comedic moments because it was quite well, well written in that regard, but then, yeah, the doctor. I thought it was stupid. Um, so I think it's a much... It's one of the better, if not one of the best, sequels yeah. um, in the entire sort of uh, franchise. But in a score of one to five, what do you reckon? I put it up there with H2A, four. I think that's a, a solid four. Cool. Now, rounding out uh, the Halloween film franchise. Oh, this one's, this one's divisive. It... Uh, it got a lot more mixed to negative reviews than uh, than Halloween 2018, which generally got mixed to positive. Um, I mean, I'm trying to think of the line of dialogue which first made my eyes roll in this. Evil th- dies tonight. Evil dies tonight. I think it was the first evil dies tonight, which is when uh, they're leaving the pub. Um, Tommy Doyle... Some of this makes sense to me, right? So Tommy Doyle chumming with um, Lorne and uh, and uh, Lindsay. Gonna get you, Lorne. <laughs> that, that all makes sense. But why, why are they chumming around with some old nurse that they've never met? <laughs> that they had no interaction in the first film? Was it part of like a, a web group of... We saw someone who we then found out was a killer much later. They didn't get attacked, really. I mean, yeah, they were kids in the first film. It's obviously going to have an impact, but... Bloody hell, get on with your lives. Um, and she's somehow chummy with them. But it's as they're leaving the pub, and someone says something like, oh, we're going to round something up. We're going to round... They say... Someone says one line, and then the nurse goes, oh, and evil dies tonight. And it's so... Like, people don't talk like that. And that then becomes the catchphrase in the film. It makes a little bit of sense in terms of how people can get riled up mob mentality... Oh god, it's annoying. So annoying. I mean, we come out of the cinema again, another film we watched together, um, and um, we both said the same thing that something was missing from it, but we couldn't put our finger on it. I watched it again a couple of nights back on Blu-ray, and I, I, I just don't. I don't think I like it at all. I think that it's it's worse than I thought it was um, there are good bits in it uh, there's very good bits in it but you bring back these iconic characters kill most of them off um, you get that Sheriff Brackett gone um, spoiler that's on all of these but <laughs> if, you're horror, if you're watching a Halloween tier list I'd imagine you've seen these films uh, yeah. um, the 
Yeah, I think Lindsay was the only one that survived once the Tommy got killed, I think. Um, there's only a few nights ago, that's how memorable it was. Um, yeah, and I thought that was just... The, the bit I did like from it was when, when the, the guy that gets stabbed in the, in the neck by the shitty doctor um, in the first one says to Laurie... This isn't about you. Michael's not obsessed with you. The doctor just—he just. He, he just yes. I thought that was a good little twist, and they should have played more. It wasn't really played on, and I kind of, no. I kind of thought that's really cool. That for all these for forty years, she thought it's all about her. It's all about her, and it's just no. You were just some random. You were just some random babysitter. Yeah, he, he's not obsessed with you. It just so happens. He ended up going there because the doctor took him there. Yeah, uh, engineered. Yeah, and I kind of thought that was cool. Um, but as a film, the, the whole mob mentality thing, I think, was done a bit. I mean, visually fantastic. Um, Laurie's daughter Karen. Why the fuck is she wearing a Christmas cardigan in this one? <laughs> that Halloween. This is set the same night, but she's wearing a Christmas cardigan. Um, yeah, just a, just a few few things that just didn't sit right with me. Didn't sit right with me at all. It's um, I mean, so I'd say the pros are it looks great. Um, some of the kills are great, are proper violent and uh, over the top. The nineteen seventy eight stuff was really good. That's probably my highlight. That was really good. At the same point, you've got Michael killing groups of people at a time. He, he appears from the shadows. That's what he's meant to do. In this one, I, I, I sort of understand that Halloween kills. This is Michael kills. This is him. He he was at his most vulnerable at the end of the first film. And so this is kind of him taking revenge almost. I sort of get. But then it's like... Michael isn't and shouldn't be Jason. Like we have a killer that that mm. does that. That's just a walking killer machine. We've also he takes way more damage in this, and it almost makes him stronger. So you then think, okay, so you ignore the sequels for the convoluted story and the almost going into supernatural elements, but then you're now starting to go into the supernatural elements. Yeah. So. Yeah, it gets plugged in the chest like quite a few times. Stabbed stabbed. The blades, a couple yeah. of things that I did notice that I, I did like is that um, I, I didn't notice when we saw him in cinema. It was only on the second viewing. It went back to the how he does artistic kills. So the guy, the old, you remember the old couple with yeah. the little whizzy doofer. Um, is that what people normally do? Fly drones in house? <laughs> I don't know, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Um, but he's got the guy on there and there's the knives there and he's such and he's he's kind of looking like mm. it's quite he, he he's doing it's art he's doing art and i thought that's obviously a great throwback to the obviously the first one where he sort of looks at what he's yeah. done and there's there's a sense of admiration but there's the bit where the granddaughter i forgot her name now addison i think mm, it, yeah. the character's name her her douchebag boyfriend guy um, who cheated on her in the other one, but they somehow made up in this one. Um, 
Um, I suppose a kiss at a party doesn't really matter so much when uh, people are getting butchered. <laughs> principles, Terence, principles. <laughs> uh, <laughs> moral he, compass. He apologised. Get over it. <laughs> um, but he... <laughs> I'm sorry, baby. Um, but yeah, she comes out and stabs. Look, she she has the shotgun first. Mm. Goes to shoot him. He Michael blocks it. Uh, the boyfriend, I think, he's got pinned on the floor, mm. and she stabs him in the in the stomach a couple of times. And he grabs her, and he, I don't know if it was my perception, um, but he looks at her, and I, I always I got the feeling he was like, that was quite a fucking good girl. Like he was almost impressed with her. Then, for oh, actually, I'll throw you downstairs. Yeah, yeah. But he gives her a look, and I thought it was a look of you. Can't, obviously, can't see because he's got a mask on. But yeah. I thought he kind of like just looked at her for a, a, a little short time of fair play, fair play. I'll give you credit to that one. Yeah. And he throws her downstairs and whatnot, and then the mum comes in and nicks his mask, and, <laughs> and it just gets really silly again. But there were bits in it that I thought were bits of brilliance. Mm. But unfortunately, there were they weren't as common throughout the film as you know, like when they're all chasing that little short guy who's clearly crazy in the hospital. Yeah, he was Michael, and it's like, and he jumps out the window, and yeah, the sheriff has no respect, he has no control, and just pure mob mentality. And it's like my hat, my hat's been trampled on. <laughs> Could this day get any worse? <laughs> <laughs> I did that um, so yeah second well, what's your, when you watched it a second time what did you think um, so like I say I like the kills but I don't like how he's become uh, Jason uh, story wise yeah the evils dies tonight stuff I mean I get mob mentality rising up it's the town you know they're thinking this is happening to us again we're not having it but God, the whole catchphrase thing just did my nutting even more the second time watching it. Um, the fact that they almost they, they lure him out and uh, I like the little nods. I, I do like the little nods to the sequels. Like they had the masks from the Shamrock yeah, masks from three. Um, the the uh, Laurie's daughter stabbing him in the back with a pitchfork like in five. Mm. Just little things like that. I thought oh, they're kind of nice and they start talking about him being almost like a curse and supernatural and whatnot, which I guess is kind of like a little nod to the Thorn stuff. Um, but for me, I think I kind of rolled my eyes a bit watching it in the cinema at this point, and it was worse the second time round. After he's been drawn out and everyone's attacking him and battering the shit out of him, and then he gets stabbed between the shoulder blades after getting a few, a few shots at the chest... Yeah. And they had the voiceover talking about, you know, his, his, power, his, his power comes from blah, 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 and all that bullshit. And then he just stands up and he mullers them. Now, I, I don't mind about him killing these iconic characters because what other purpose will they kind of serve? Like, I don't want, I don't want to see, like, a, a big team up, you know, like, I don't know. Like, a lot of those characters I did find quite irritating in Halloween Kills, so I didn't mind them dying so much, like Tommy Doyle. You're a hard nut. You're a no. You're not. <laughs> you are a nerd in weird science. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. 
Um, Isn't there some heroin they've got? I was just like, oh man, you've brought her back and killed her. It's the second film, I think. She got yeah, killed she in. got killed in H2O, yeah. yeah. <sighs> I think the, kills, the kills were, like, decent. I mean, and also I did quite like... Um, when he kills the uh, the the doctor and um, and the nurse and Marion and there's there's again they have the humour moments like when the doctor and nurse are at the pub they go oh is that is that that dickhead kid from across the street <laughs> <laughs> the kid whose name I think it was Dara or something he was the funniest funniest kid in uh, in in H in in Oh Quentin. he was brilliant that little nails, actor like, <laughs> yeah he was so funny and he's babysitter <laughs> <laughs> but but. And then there's the whole chase when he's chasing after Michael's chasing after Lindsay, and uh, you know you see this tableau of where he's killed the kids or he's killed people and put the masks on them. But there was something missing the first time I saw it in the cinema, and the repeat watch. Eh, I think it's. I would. So I'm. I'm going to say my score first on this one. I don't think it's great. But I would probably put it on par with Halloween 2. Because I don't think Halloween 2 is great. I agree. I'll put it in the, I'll put it there. Yeah. I, I, again, there's, there's, there's good moments. It, it pushes on the storyline. The bits with Laurie are good. Um, but, yeah. So there we have it, and we don't have to do any deciding what is the best out of the number fives because we've only got one number five. And there that's can the only original. be there can only be one number five in this. <laughs> there can be only one. <laughs> I was going to say that. <laughs> now, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about, uh, and it's not out yet. It won't be out till later this year. Um, I've heard some rumblings. I think they wrap production, but the the third part of this trilogy. Um, which they're in the in the postings like posters they're heavily implying which is actually kind of irritating me they're heavily implying this is when Michael dies which just makes me think well he's not going to die now is he obviously Halloween ends mm. have you got any inkling where you think this one's going to go no I've not I've purposely not looked up anything or and for once YouTube hasn't ruined anything for me yet um it can't be set on the same night, I don't think, because it's just too much to go on in one night. So I think this will be set a little bit, a couple of years after or so. Um, and re-watching Kills again, I just kind of thought, this is going to be a pure lorry film of her... Ex ex her daughter's just been killed by the boogeyman. By the, this, the person she's feared the most, I, I sense they will go at. She will feel a failure as a mother, um, that psyche kind of route, because um, it kind of seems that that's what they're they've been done so far. It's all about the the what's this effect having on people, and I think you know for a mother to lose a daughter to you know if you ground it and say it's in reality. Um, yeah, Laurie, you know, you know, she knows how to shoot. She she set up that house and all in booby traps. She it's gonna be war, um, but other than I, I that's the way I think it will go. I, um, it'd be interesting. I'm looking forward to it. 
And because it's got, you have to say, it's got to be the last time that Jamie Lee is going to play this character as well. Yeah. I can't see her coming back. No, so this no. is gonna this this has got to be a big sign off for her as well, I think. So they um so I haven't really seen too much at all official. I think it's sort of been confirmed it'll be a couple or three years maybe after the uh, Halloween kills. Oh hey Fuji. Um in doing so I hope they have some logical explanation of where Michael is, if if he's been caught, which it doesn't look like he can, if he can just take down a whole bunch of people, and it ain't no thing. Um, let's have some explanation for where he has been, and you know. But I guess we'll we'll see when we get there. One thing which I have heard, which I don't think is confirmed at all. I think it's more fan rumor. Um, did you get a whiff of his breath? Yeah. <laughs> he's, got, he's got bad dog breath. I'm dog baby down off off camera. Oh, he's very sweet though. <laughs> That little face, though. <laughs> um, one thing that has been mentioned, which I, I just thought, who cares? And again, I don't think this is confirmed at all. But um, some theorising that we've had all these people, you know, different people from uh, from the series, from the original film, um, appearing. Will we see Michael's parents? I couldn't care less. They're going to be 80, 90 years old. I don't know what purpose that would serve other than maybe he's gone to their new house because he can find a database where they, wherever they moved to. I heard, I saw a headline for that on YouTube and I just thought, why? What's the point? They seem like mild-mannered people for the two seconds we saw them in the original. What benefit is there to the story other than if he goes to kill them? And if he goes to kill them... I mean, you've then got questions of did they ever visit him while he was locked away for 40 odd years or the previous 20 years, whatever. Mm. For me, don't really care about that. No, uh, that's first I've heard if, that, if that's going to be a thing. I, I hope it's not because it, it will raise more questions than, you know, why did the reporters in to 2018 one go to Laurie and not the parents you go straight to the parents yeah. wouldn't you if you were going to do some sort of documentary podcast just fucking care about the sole survivor you, you go to the parents as yeah. well and what was let... his upbringing like blah, yeah blah, blah. Um, I feel if they were going to do that they should have done that in in 18 yeah in the last one the, like I said for me this one should be you know there's there's very few things traumatic to a parent than losing a child let alone a child being butchered by um the, the boogeyman that's plagued her her whole life so I th I th yeah and i imagine the daughter is not going to be far off of the pace with uh i might get i don't know it might get a bit silly though mightn't it yeah it's kind of i'm interested to watch it because of course of course i will um are we going to see some weird sort of two-on-one team up? Because we've seen the granddaughter isn't afraid to fight back. She very much seems to parallel, um, you know, her grandma, Laurie. She doesn't have the same upbringing her mother did, who, you know, was kind of trained from a young age and rebelled about that, rebelled against that and wanted normality, but still kind of remembered her training, which came in. Didn't, didn't help her in the second one, did it? <laughs> well, no. Why Why? Why go, oh, yeah, well, it's all fine now. I'm going to go up there and look out the window at the town that I've lived in forever. 
Why? That's mm. that stupid. Um, yeah, I think like like Halloween Kills. I I'm gonna go and watching it. Hopefully, not knowing too much. Um, spoiled, but I don't know. It's interesting. I'm interested to see where they're gonna go with uh, the finale, supposedly. Um, but I don't have any kind of. I don't have any kind of preconceptions or ideas other than I reckon Laurie will die. Um, and I reckon that might happen maybe halfway through because the granddaughter does seem to be kind of getting geared to be the it's new final girl. Baton, yeah, she kind of was the final girl in Halloween Kills. And yeah, I don't know. We shall see. But that brings us to the end of our Halloween discussion. Boy, howdy. This is going to be playing for almost two hours on the live stream. We just sat there, <laughs> occasionally doing chat. Maybe I'll go watch. Maybe I'll go watch. Uh, probably just Halloween. Maybe not some of the other sequels during this time, uh, while it's on the live stream. But it's been great, Dean. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much for coming uh, in. Thank well, you for having me. I say in studio, it's my back room, my back office. Okay. Maybe reword that. Moving on. Moving on. I'll dub over it. I'll just. And put some voiceover. Um, I'd love to come in and go back from. Cut it, cut it. Um, where can where can people find you on 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 your socials and music? Like, have you got anything you want to plug? I don't think that far ahead. <laughs> <laughs> um, have you got a YouTube channel? I have a YouTube, YouTube channel. Yeah, um, Dean Jovi on YouTube. Um, just original songs, um, some covers, I think. Um, I can't remember what's on my YouTube. Um, and other than that, yeah, you can see me in, in, in Harvest of the Dead 2, um, Devil in the Woods. Um, and the reason for the long hair is I've grown it for my a new role for the hippie I'm playing in the... That we're going to do at some point. At some point. <laughs> That's what I was say. I've grown my hair to play a hippie. Um, yeah. I'm on IMDb. He's on IMDb as well. I'll just impress you with that, to be honest. <laughs> right, cool. Well, back to me <laughs> sitting watching the live stream. See you later. Hello, other Terrence. <laughs> Hi, other Dean and other Terrence. Um, well, yeah, that was a lot of fun. I've enjoyed, obviously, chatting uh, chatting throughout that with everyone, um, everyone watching. I uh, hope you've enjoyed... Uh, my discussion with Dean as uh, a good friend of mine. Definitely check out his music. Dean Jovi is has uh, done lots. He's got a, an album uh, coming out, date to be announced, called Junction. But yeah, check him out. Search from I think it's just Dean Jovi on YouTube. You'll you'll find his page. Right. Oh Lord, that's a as I said at the end, that's a bumper uh, <laughs> a bumper episode. I want to apologise. I feel like I'm always apologising for the audio for some uh, <laughs> some degree on my show. And I, I realise I must be peaking because I've jumped it up quite loud. So let's just drop that down slightly. Uh, yeah, no idea why the mics kept uh, doubling up. I did have two microphones in a room in close proximity. I don't know. Um, you probably heard my dog uh, jingle jangling around a few times. And also knobheads in the hallway. Well, I think they're, they're nice enough. Just very loud in my front flat door doesn't seem to be that soundproof it's gonna be a weekend project i think uh but we had a lot of fun tonight now th this show was going to be going out live uh, in a few weeks time um 
as I had plans for this evening and plans for the next few weeks. Uh, but I do have the next few weeks shows planned out. So next week, we are going to have a member of the chat, uh, also my sister, uh, Carrie is cool 34 She is very involved in the uh, paranormal community, I suppose you could say. Uh, she's very uh, in touch with all the, the paranormal stuff. I don't know all the lingo. I'm not going to pretend that I do. <laughs> um, but what we're going to do is we're going to be chatting about a number of films um, and the true life cases behind them. So... Um, not quite the chat that we had with uh, with Crimson Mel when we were looking at the paranormal reality behind uh, certain horror films. Uh, this time we're going to be looking at the true life cases that uh, horror films are based on, whether loosely or whether accurately. Um, expect The Conjuring uh, films. Um, but we'll have a confirmed, confirmed case list in the week. I'll check it on the Discord, check it on the Twitter. Speaking of those, Discord, ministry-of-horror. Twitter is ministry-horror. Facebook is ministry-of-horror. Uh, we are found on the uh, MOS network. Check out uh, Ministry of Slam. goes live every Sunday. Uh, Lawrence Games uh, a few times in the week. He has his Red Dead stream, uh, I believe, on Wednesdays. Um, and also he streams um, his new... Oh, I'm awful with the name TEW. I think it's the wrestling simulator that he started doing. That's a really entertaining show. I've seen a couple of the episodes uh, so far. Definitely worth a watch. Um, and also retro chat on Wednesday, 7 p.m. Uh, but yeah, and uh, other than the Carrier's uh, Carrier's Cool 34 show, another friend of mine, uh, actor. Um, I don't know what to call him because he has a number of different names. Uh, he's an electronic musician uh, under the name. Lasers. I'll write it in chat, and you can always uh, you can always check him out on Spotify. Uh, yeah, I think that's how it's spelled. Lasers. Uh, actor name also Olas 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 Carter. Uh, Nicholas Carter. Nicholas Pierce. He has a number of different names, but he's a very cool guy. Uh, he's really entertaining, um, and he's someone that I've really loved working on films with. Uh, he's acted in a couple of films that I've I've worked on behind the scenes. Uh, we're going to be looking in a few weeks with uh, Lasers. Olas Carter, Nick, Nick Pierce, um, at the paranoia in horror films. So think Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Think The Thing. Uh, we're going to bring together a list, maybe top three, top five of our favourite films and compare them and discuss them. Kind of similar to the top five uh, zombie films that I did with uh, Erratic Agent. Um, definitely worth checking out on the, on the YouTube or podcast streams if you haven't... Uh, haven't heard that show yet. We had a really good discussion, and uh, Erratic Agent is definitely someone I'd like to get back on the show uh, for sure. As with as with all the guests so far, I've had a lot of fun. So with that, I'm quite tired now, and <laughs> I've got to make uh, make lunch for work tomorrow. At stupid o'clock, um, and I've got to get this out in the podcast streams. So if podcast listeners, hopefully I did this quite quickly, and you'll be able to listen to this on uh, Wednesday the thirtieth of March. If not, well, I'll try my best. Uh, thanks very much for watching the show, and I'll catch you guys later. Goodbye. <laughs>